You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 321. I'm Jimmy Kepsky from, from phillyvoice.com. Uh, with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of Bleeding Green Nation. The Eagles had a draft over the weekend, as did the rest of the NFL. So we're probably going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Of course, we'll recap everything that happened during the draft. And a lot did happen, uh, both before the draft, during the draft, and after the draft. Uh, but before we dive in headfirst into everything that went down, I know I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks in the land. Well, there's a lot of talk about grading the draft, Jimmy, and uh, we'll, we'll get into what we gave the Eagles. Oh, that's that's we're we're, we're into that every <laughs> again. That I feel like that happens every year. Oh, what are you talking people about? People are discourse? like complaining about draft grades or something like that. Well, that's because, and I think I say the same thing every year. And shout out to, I think Shilkapati is really the driver of this conversation. Yes, but the point is, you can absolutely make evaluations on things with the information you have available to you at the present time. Now, that doesn't mean things you know won't age in a certain way. They will. Um, I was I was trying to think of a good comparison for that. I was trying to think about how like, well, what if I just had like a bag of rocks? You know, what if I sold you, Jimmy, a bag of rocks that I, I looked at, I inspected, you know, just okay, they're just normal, boring looking rocks that I took out of my parents' driveway and uh, put them in a bag, and I sold them to you for fifty bucks. Would that really be like a good purchase for you? I would I would say no, right? Like, it would not. what are you really gonna do with those bag of just boring or now? If it happened that somehow there was like a nugget of gold in there and, uh, you know, that was, you know, worth like a ton of money. One of those rocks was actually a piece of gold. Uh, does that mean I made a terrible mistake just because you found like riches? I don't think it does. I mean, if I was careless, sure. Um, but I wasn't. I said in this scenario, I looked at them all and uh, maybe this isn't the best comparison, but I think. I'm confused by this analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best analogy. Well, you get what I'm saying, though, in terms of like. I yeah. I looked at everything. I made a sound decision. There wasn't no, wasn't anything overlooked. It's just like, uh, or I guess maybe maybe not also a good example. And we're off to a good start here. What if you went to like a yard sale? <laughs> yeah, and you bought a lamp for again like ten bucks, let's say, just normal right. boring boring ordinary lamp. You like somehow uns- there was like a bottom part. You unscrewed it, and you found like you know a hundred dollars inside. Like, is that person a dummy for selling it? Like, I don't think so necessarily. Like, they didn't necessarily know that was there. Um, The point is, sometimes, like, you can make a good decision and things can happen for better or worse that you never could have predicted. And that doesn't mean it was necessarily a bad decision at the time or a good decision at the time. Um, If the other way I think about it is, like, if you (laughs) – I'm going way too long on this. If you ran through – so, you ever play Banjo-Kazooie, Jimmy? Probably not for it, Nintendo 64. Not, no. There's this part in the game where like there's a bunch of basically like guillotines that are swing, swinging back and forth super fast. And um the way to get through it in the game is like you have this invincibility mode. But in theory, like mathematically, you could probably run through it and if you timed it right, if you ran perfectly, um you wouldn't get scathed. You'd be you'd be you'd be unscathed. You'd be fine. Does that mean it was a good decision to run through like a bunch of guillotines? No, it doesn't mean it was a good decision. You just got extremely lucky. Um, 
All right. This is, I don't know if any of those hit for anyone. <laughs> the point here is that you should get right to sell in craft jerky because they're an A plus baby. Uh, go to right to sellin.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order today. But is that a, is that a, that, that complaint has resurfaced again? Like you can't grade you can't grade drafts immediately after the draft. Are, are we still doing that? So, like people are complaining about I didn't that mean again. To bring it up. I was not my intent of what I said. No, I understand. Uh, I have seen a little bit of it, not as bad as maybe okay. other years. All right, but it's it's out there. But uh, you know, it's just it's just talking about You're sports. the process of the draft, like the decision making. Also, it doesn't not matter. Necessarily... Like people, I've seen people get bent out of shape. My, uh, it's entertainment. It's, we're we're talking about football here. My, you know, my, it's crazy. My friend does the draft write-ups for the Lions. I'll talk about him later because of some of the, something the Eagles did this weekend. And he gave the the Jamar Gibbs pick uh, like a D minus, and someone was just like so furious okay. at him about it. It's just like it's not that serious, <laughs> man. Like it doesn't mean yeah. anything. It's just for fun. We're just talking about sports. We're just you know analyzing so, things. It also was a terrible pick, so he's not wrong. Sure, but like regardless of that, like I don't know. Like he's just stating his opinion. It doesn't have to be like, yeah. oh, you're an idiot, or it hasn't doesn't have to be so personal. You can disagree and be like, I don't agree with that. Great, right. sure, okay, that's fine. Give your reasoning anyway. Uh, Jimmy, we have so much to talk about, and we're already, it's going to be a long podcast, and we already spent five minutes of me just saying complete nonsense at the beginning. So um, how do you want to start it? Well, I mean, before the draft even began, we learned that the Eagles were going to be compensated in a kind of a small way, really, for the Cardinals' um, tampering mm-hmm. of Jonathan Gannon. So uh, the Cardinals uh, GM, Monty Austin Fort, is that right? That's his name? Um, called Jonathan Gannon and, and engaged in improper conversation with him after the NFC Championship game, like a day or two or whatever after the NFC Championship game, which is impermissible. You're not allowed to talk to potential head coaching hirings or whatever during that time frame. Um, and he did. And it's funny because Jeff McClain was apt to point out that Gannon had said that he was hired. This is going back a few months now. He had said that he was hired or that when he was hired, that he didn't know that the Cardinals were interested in him until Howie Roseman told him, uh, you know, informed him of their, of, of an, the Cardinals interview request after the Super Bowl had been completed. He's a liar. Like what a, he's a, what a freaking he's a liar. liar. He's a, He's already lied once about just this conver- – like he made up – he made up this whole conversation about like a, a, a press conference incident where a reporter he, – he claimed a reporter said – Coach, um, we want you fired. I want – Coach, we want you fired. <laughs> Nothing even remotely close to that happened all year. It just And he made up a, a whole conversation that happened thereafter. He said, well, why do you want me fired? And the, and the reporter said, well, you don't blitz as much. You don't blitz yeah. as much as, as, as you should. And then I said, well, so what? We're the number one defense in the NFL and blah, 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 blah. Nothing, like a conversation like that or anything close to it never happened. He just completely just made it up, fabricated it out of, out of thin air. Now, certainly there were criticisms of him, like on the radio or whatever, saying sure. like, you know, he should blitz more. But this conversation that he just made right. up in a press conference setting never happened. And then here again, he's lying about, you know, having never talked to the Cardinals until after the Super Bowl is over. So it's quite clear that in some way his mind was on the Cardinals head coaching job during the two weeks of preparation for the Super Bowl. I don't think that can possibly be debated at this point. And the the degree to which 
you know, he was affected by that or how his game plan may have been affected by that or his words, but how his headspace might have been affected by that. That's all debatable or whatever. But um, the, 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 the fact of the matter is this dude is a freaking liar. <laughs> there's, there's no other way around that. And I think that guy is going to be one and done in Arizona, because if you're a liar, players will see right through that and you'll be exposed very quickly and they won't trust you. And that's the kind of stuff that just makes locker rooms fall apart. And I think Cardinals fans are in for a wretched 2023 season with him at the helm. He also lied about saying he was staying after the NFC championship game. Remember he was asked yes. on the field. He's like, Billy's <laughs> keeping me. I'm staying. Yes. Like, and then I'm, to be clear, I think most and myself included are glad he was not truthful at that point, but still like on a, the premise is that like he just lies a lot. And uh, very weird, very, very weird lies, too. It, it's a, I guess the I guess the one where, you know, with him talking to the Cardinals, do, you know, during a time where it's not allowed, I guess you can make sense of that kind of lie because he was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. I mean, he could have been more <laughs> vague like, about it, I guess, though. He could have yeah, been yeah, like, yeah. you know, I don't really want to get into that or, you know, like, you know, whatever. There's a there's a way to get around that anyway. um this is the best thing Jonathan Gannon ever did for the Eagles was accepting that phone call. <laughs> the Eagles get the 66 yeah. pick. Uh, they Well, who knows how much he even talked to them throughout the week? Because sure. all that was reported was just, a, you know, one phone call conversation. But the reality is he probably there may have been like a point where like he didn't think he was getting that job. And that's when he said, you know, I'm staying right. in Philly. So there may there may have been extensive contact between him and the Cardinals. Who knows? Um, I think it. I think you know when you lie as much as he has <laughs> over the past few months. I think you, it's everything is pretty much open to speculation on what he could be possibly lying about. Uh, but you were about to get into what the Eagles actually got uh, as a result of this tampering, right? Yeah. Uh, quickly though, I guess on I forgot to bring up the Philadelphia Inquirer even reported uh, that quote many among the Eagles' brain trust believe Jonathan Gannon wasn't all in end quote ahead of the Super Bowl. That's that's crazy. And more damning, and certainly not going to win back uh, as if that was possible. Any Eagles fans? Uh, Gannon was quote giddy at an otherwise morose after party at the team hotel in Phoenix. Now end quote. Now look, you know, um, I'm yes, he's excited about his new job, but like, I don't know, man. I just, this dude is a fraud. There's so many. It was so apparent. Like dirt when he was here, it was like, yeah, the numbers are good, but like, can't actually ever beat a good quarterback. The Super yeah. Bowl performance was pathetic. Uh, it, when you look at you know like EPA and all that stuff that Shilkapadia had tweeted out. Like it was an all-time bad performance from that Eagles defense, basically, and an all-time Chiefs performance, which give them credit to some extent. Mahomes is a great player, Andy Reid, blah blah blah. All that is true, but also is that Gannon is like one of the biggest losers in Philadelphia sports history. He is. He's like a, he's a total fraud. He's a loser, and the fact that the Eagles were able to get sixty-six for him while giving up ninety-five and a twenty-twenty-four fifth-round pick is a big win. The value of the difference between those two things is kind of like an early fourth round pick. So it's basically kind of, you know, like the Eagles got a free fourth round pick, mm -hmm. um, early fourth round pick in terms of the value and the, the draft pick trade value chart thing. Um, so yeah, screw Jonathan Gannon. But I did feel like this set a really good tone for the night, for night one. Once this happened, like minutes before the draft basically started, um, shout out Pistola, to Pistola's Del Sur, by the way. I had a great time there, night one of the draft. Um, really good, uh, steamed bun pork, uh, tacos that they have or carnitas. Um, really like those a lot. Anyway, uh, 
I think it set the tone for a great night once that happened. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually like a I'll, I'll get to this at the end of the podcast, but I was at like uh, this Philly Voice event, um, and like the, Ron Jaworski was there, and a few other current and former players were there, and uh, I guess like while we were on stage, this happened, <laughs> and Jaws is like, "What happened?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, they got they 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 got like a, a like for, I thought it was an extra pick at the time, like they got an extra pick because the Cardinals tampered with Jonathan Gannon." And he seemed like not surprised at all by mm. that. <laughs> so like, uh, but anyway, uh, they 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 get not an extra pick, but they did move up basically from the back end of the first round uh, into the first round. Anyway, draft begins, and um, in the first, you know, six seven picks are in, and no Jalen Carter. Nobody's taken Jalen Carter yet. Um, and then you know, around six. You start thinking, okay, well, maybe, especially at six, everyone was expecting that Devin Witherspoon was going to go to the Lions, and then the Seahawks took him at five. So once their guy was gone, and it was pretty clear they were trying to get out, and eventually they did, um, but they traded to somebody else. But that's when I thought the Eagles were going to start to try to get up. Didn't get up. Didn't get up at seven. Didn't get up at eight. Finally pick nine. The Bears are on the clock. Eagles move up. All it costs them is a twenty twenty four fourth round pick and they get up and they get the guy that a number of people thought they might trade up for him. Uh, but they get Jalen Carter at pick number nine, widely regarded as the number one talent uh, in this draft. Uh, it obviously has a, a number of uh, maturity red flags that you have to kind of sort through. And, and the evaluation was easy in terms of what actually he is. He as a player, like he's explosive speed, change of direction, power has everything you want in a defensive tackle uh but again the, the harder evaluation was and this is of course in the hands of dom desandro the eagles chief security official um mostly in the hands of him what is he as a person so i guess he, obviously he passed um they deemed him good enough <laughs> i guess to, to go up and trade one, one spot for him but but they land a guy who just makes all the sense of the world as a player uh, in their defense, both in the short term and the long term. And I think the Eagles are, as we said prior to the draft, and he was your final pick in your final mock, mm -hmm. uh, that they were uniquely qualified to take the risk on him because of yes. I think, the culture that they have, not only in terms of already having N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, who he played next to, and now other Georgia Bulldogs as well that we'll get to, but I think like the leadership of the team probably is even more important when you look at like Jalen Hurts and having a I don't think Fletcher Cox is like, you know, the most vocal guy necessarily when it comes to leadership. But he's been around mm -hmm. for a long time and he's in the same position yeah. room as Jalen Carter and Jalen Carter might be able to take a look at Fletcher Cox and be like, OK, that this is what a pro veteran captain like looks like. This is how he does. He, he handles his business and someone like Brandon Graham as well. These kind mm -hmm. of guys, I think having those uh, Jason Kelsey, who he was able to hang out with a little bit at the draft. Right. That's, that's awesome that Kelsey was out there. Sure. And, you know, just guys who can tell him what to expect. And, and I think maybe if Jalen Carter, you know, cause a lot of this is up to him, right? Like the Eagles can do their part to build a good environment for him. He has to live up to his end of the deal. And, you know, if he is smart about it, he will look at how some of the players I just mentioned are so revered and have been so rewarded financially as well and be like, hey, I have a good thing going for me. I probably shouldn't screw this up. I should probably, you know, 
keep focused on the field and and not blow this really good opportunity in front of me to also play for a really good team. Like not going mm-hmm. to some bad team where the culture kind of up in the air and you're not even going to win a lot of football games right away. You're going to a team that is coming off uh, a Super Bowl appearance. So uh, I think it's a very good pick by the Eagles. I'm totally fine the trade up. Like in theory, you could be like, well, why would they need to trade up? Because, you know, um, you should have just called the Bears bluff. To me, you don't mess around with that. Like, if you can get Jalen Carter, you get him. And you like, okay, well, they gave up a future fourth. Fine, whatever. Um, I think Jalen Carter is more important than, you know, that future fourth. Uh, so I think it's a... The lesson learned is 2014 when uh, they were on the... They were, yeah. they were picked number 22, and they had identified six specific players the that they six, thought call it. had a chance of getting the 22. A, lot of, a bunch of them went early. Like, OBJ went early. Anthony Barr went early. There was a linebacker in there that went to the Bears, I think. Uh, no, C.J. Mosley went to the Ravens. Uh, Kendall Fuller, I uh, forget who he went to, but he was one of the six. Bears. And then the two guys that were left when, um, I believe it was the Cardinals, were on the clock at pick 20. Kyle Fuller, by the were way. Were Brandon Cooks. Oh, sorry. Brandon Cooks. What did I say? Kendall mm-hmm. Fuller. Uh, Brandon Cooks and HaHa Clinton Dex. They were interested in those two players as well. And at pick number 20, they were – they were very confident that the Cardinals were not going to take one of those players. So they sat and they just waited for one of those players to fall to them. And then, boom, Saints trade yep. up to 20. They take Cooks. <laughs> Packers at 21 take HaHa Clinton-Dix. And then the Eagles were just screwed at 22. All their all their targets were gone. They move out of the pick. They move back four spots uh, at pick 26. They're sitting there again. They don't love what they what, what, what's still there at pick 26. Uh, they take Marcus Smith, and basically that cost Howie Roseman his job mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time. Of course, he got his job back, but that's when he was, sh- you know, sort of shuttled off to you know, Steward Room B uh, in the basement of uh, the Novacare Complex. I'm kidding, of course. Do they have uh, a basement? Yeah, that's the what that was. A, complex? Do we know that? The, Is this like an uh, Alamo situation? Like Kiwi Herman? Yeah, yeah. Basement. <laughs> that was one of the best uh, things I ever heard on a sports broadcast. Was when um, uh, Malik. Um, former Sixers. What, wait, what was his last name? I can't even think of his last name. Malik Malik Rose, obviously. Malik Rose, Drexel mm-hmm. Zone, Philly Zone. Um, used to be on the call with Mark Zuma for the Sixers, and uh, and you know for a lot of bad games too. Once upon a time, early process, all that kind of stuff. And Malik Rose said the the uh, the refs are saying the complaint the complaint department is in the basement of the Alamo, and I just I love that. Such a good reference. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So. Um, that's a lesson learned from, from that draft. Don't take a chance. If, if the cost is only a fourth round pick in 2024, just pay it and make sure you get yeah. your guy. If your guy, if your guy goes to pick number nine and then you're sitting there with, with a guy that you really don't love, uh, at that pick, then it's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I'm fine with them. It's a small price to pay. Come on. We're talking about a fourth round pick in 2024. Who cares? Also, like, go, Howie is a good... go get the, go get the number one Pro, you know, the, go get the number one talent in the draft and just and be happy with it. You know what I mean? Howie has a good sense of that kind of stuff too. I feel like you know, like I, I he had to have some kind of inkling that someone might come up yes. for him, even if it wasn't like totally bulletproof and maybe it was a bluff. But he had to have some kind of sniff that like a team might be trying to go up for him. So like, okay, let's just not mess around here and get, as you said, someone who is like arguably the top prospect from a talent level. At the very least, like the non, the top non quarterback, or maybe second best, if you want to put Will Anderson above him, like it's just, it's like, and it feels a huge need. Defensive tackle is a huge need. The Eagles lost Javon Hargrave. He was really freaking good. And he just walked out the door for a massive contract that they couldn't keep him on. 
and they didn't really do a ton to replace him. They signed Kentavious Street. Okay, great. Like, there wasn't Milton Williams taking a bigger role, Jordan Davis taking a bigger role, sure. But, like, now you have a guy who I think, Jalen Carter plays with violence. That's something that I notice a lot in a good way to be clear like but just the way he kind of like hits offensive linemen sometimes it seems like it'd be a nightmare to play against him not very fun um not only is he physical but he's athletic i feel like as well the way he's able to get around some of these guys i just i I, he's gonna be super disruptive on the interior and i think he's gonna be a really good player i think he's a starter immediately so i think it'll be him uh Cox it'll be Jordan Davis at, at the nose tackle and Fletcher Cox of course will still start I think he immediately kind of leapfrogs Milton Williams so I really like as a player too by the way uh, but all those guys are going to play like um probably shouldn't get bogged down by who will start and who won't because they're all going to mix in and they'll have probably you know kind of unique roles depending on down distance situation etc uh, but he's going to be immediate contributor no question about it he just has too much obvious just obvious like high level talent uh to be wasting away on the bench like and and they they moved up for this guy uh because i think they think he can be both a short-term contributor and obviously they think that he can be sort of a fletcher cox kind of player over the long term there were there was a six-man defensive tackle rotation as i've previously mentioned but like by the end of the year last year six players they were Mm -hmm. basically using every game or most games at defensive tackle so plenty of snaps to go around and yes I don't really think it matter who matters who starts, quote unquote, because ultimately they're going to rotate guys and they're all going to split that playing time, which is arguably another reason why Carter's stock is higher in Philly than elsewhere. Because I saw in his scouting report, some of the concerns were like conditioning or, you know, ability to kind of like hold up over the game. So, you know, here he's not going to be. Yeah, it took plays off. So here, you know, he's going to be able to, you know, pick his spots a little bit more with this snap count usage. Anything else on Jalen Carter? Are we grading these as sure, we go, by not? the way, individually? Especially after I'm gonna, I'm going we started at the top like that. <laughs> I went A minus. Okay. I'm gonna go straight A. I think it's a really it's an ideal pick. I didn't think he I didn't think he would make it to them. I really didn't. Um I thought the Lions or Seahawks were gonna make the pick and they didn't. He's an incredible talent. Uh it's worth the risk. It's an A for me. I had so in my uh final mock, I had them trading to seven and I had them giving up their second round pick this year mm-hmm. to do it. So how could it have been I mean, an A plus to Howie. You, he, I guess. Like, how could it have been better? He, yeah, right. It probably should just be an yeah. A because they did. They, they, well, I, so I'm doing it based on what I think they're going to do. Um, but yeah, the, but yeah, they probably did just deserve a straight A because <laughs> they, they gave up a, a lot less than, than I would have given up to move up to seven. Although they were interested in moving up. Like it's, they, they've said that they tried to move up earlier uh, than, than where they got them at nine. So I wonder what they were willing to get up uh, to at you know six, seven, eight, whatever, and what other teams turned down. Uh, but ultimately, it worked out because they got them for a lot less than they probably could have. All right. So now we move to number thirty, where I around like pick maybe fifteen or so, sixteen. I had tweeted out, I think NFL teams should just let Nolan Smith fall to the Eagles at thirty, <laughs> and sure enough. That's exactly what happened. I I can't believe he went that I, far. I re- I really can't believe he fell that me far. Me too. I really can't. I uh, he was my final pick for the Eagles at ten. I and I would have been I would have been very happy with that. I really would have been if the Eagles took him at number ten. I'm I, I he's a steal of the draft for me. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe 
these teams that passed on him are going to feel dumb for passing on him. I think this dude is just so worth bet. You want to talk about like good bets to make guys to bet on. Mm -hmm. This is a guy you bet on. I love his swagger, his energy, what he plays with, what he presents himself off the field. If you just watch his opening press conference, I feel like you kind of pick up on that. Um, I think this is really high praise and I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but like, I, I truly believe this. I think he has the potential to be like a Malcolm Jenkins kind of leader one day, like that kind of, of that ilk. Like, I think he's incredible. And obviously he has to prove to be a good talent before that kind of stuff actually comes into play because you can't really be a leader if you're bad. But I think that's the kind of ceiling for him. And I think teams overthought it um, just like they did kind of once upon a time with letting Devonte Smith fall, obviously not as far as Nolan Smith, but um, I, I know the sack production wasn't high, but again, the, any kind of efficiency metrics that you look at him, pressure rate, any of that, they're really good numbers. He's an amazing run defender. He's tough. He's athletic, incredibly athletic. He's physical. I just, I love the pick. I think it's great. I like that you corrected yourself by uh, saying athletic. No, wait. Yeah. Incredibly athletic. Cause he is like, he's, he's like a legit elite athlete. He's probably the most athletic player in this, in this draft. He ran a four, three, nine, uh, vertical jumped 41 and a half inches at 238 pounds. Like, that is crazy. Uh, that kind of athleticism, you know, 99 percentile and in, in, you know, the 10 yard split, 99 percentile, 40 yard dash, 98th percentile vertical jump. 95th percentile, you know, broad jump. And, you know, this isn't the Olympics. They're football players. But those traits show up on the field when you watch them play. And, you know, he's not just an athlete. He's a physical run defender. He sets the edge. You know, he would he would occupy blockers, let teammates, you know, kind of collect tackles while he was sort of doing his job within the scheme of the Georgia defense. And, you know, he's a guy that has been commonly comped to Hassan Reddick because of because of his rare athleticism that he has and his body type and all that. And that's why he fell because he at one point during the draft, I'm like, does he just have an injury that either we don't know about or is like the pectoral injury that he had in 2022, like more serious than I guess was led on. And Howie Roseman said, no, nothing uh, injury related. The pec that he had is fine. Um, but so it must just be that he's smallish, which to me is just crazy to me when you see that Hassan Reddick was – I mean, let's be honest, Tom Reich was the best defensive player in the NFL last year. If we're including the playoffs, like no question about it. He's the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, Jer Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked as the 13th best prospect best prospect in this draft. Dane Brugler of The Athletic had him 11th. Mel Kuyper had him 12th. He falls to 30. So this isn't just, you know, you and me like him. This is like all the national, yeah. the, the big time national draft experts had him rated, you know, well within the top 15 I had the analogy of like Howie Roseman sitting there watching him, you know, fall to pick 26, 27, 28. And like, you know, he's, he's like, uh, uh, William Wallace in Braveheart going, hold, hold. <laughs> As like the, uh, the, uh, the British are, are charging at, uh, you know, him and, and the Scots or whatever. Um, in terms of like, you know, not panicking and trading up to go get him, which I actually think they probably should have probably just traded up and, and go, you know, make a modest move up and make sure you get this guy as long as he's fallen uh, as far as he did. Um, but it's just incredible that this guy lasted until pick number 30. And I'm with you. I, I think this is absolutely the steal of the draft. And for me, by the way, before I give the grade on the uh, on the, the the intangible point during his press conference, like he was asked about uh, a basketball uh, shooting contest he had with uh, Nick Sirianni. 
And he's like, and then I guess somebody asked him like, what, what the final you know, letter was because they played horse. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, I, I went over by where that that lady in the pink dress is, <laughs> and I hit a three and I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got swagger to him yeah. too. It's not just that, you know, he's a leader, you know, he's 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 got some swag to him and he's got some uh personality and and some and some humor. Uh so yeah, I'm looking forward to covering this guy as 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 a person and looking forward to watching him play as an athlete on the field. As like some some of the comparisons to Reddick, I've heard people say like, well, it took Reddick time to figure it out. And I don't really like that's not really the full I don't think that's the most accurate description of what happened with Reddick. I mean, they, they were using him as an off-ball linebacker in Arizona. Yeah. They weren't letting him, like, attack the passer on a regular basis. So, assuming the Eagles don't, like, overthink it with how his role is and actually let him attack the passer, although I think he could do more things because of his body type. I do wonder if they'll use him that way if, like, they because they have so many pass rushers. And if you just want to get him on the field, what if he just wins, like, the will job, for example? He could play that. I mean, I don't know if that sets him back, mm-hmm. you know, as in terms of what he can be long term. Yeah, I don't think with you the team because you do. I mean, you do want him getting after the passer, but at the same time, if he's just a lot better than, like, I don't think he's going to be replacing Nickobe Dean. But what if he's a lot better than like Nicholas Morrow, for example? Do you just put him on the field? I don't think that's how it takes shakes out. Because again, you talked about it, he's such a good like. Edge def- like he's such good. He's so good at setting the edge, and like I just think I, I think yeah. he has a lot of value. I mean, honestly, but I think he can take some snaps at linebacker, sure. But like, I don't think that's the bulk of it. I think that's when you're kind of getting maybe creative in certain situations. And we'll we'll see how creative Sean Desai right. can get uh, as the new defensive coordinator here too, and and find creative different ways to get him on the field. Even though they they are they're so loaded at edge rusher, it's crazy yep. with Raddick and Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham, and now you add this guy to the mix, and then all the guys on the interior. It's just a loaded front seven at this point. Maybe I mean off ball linebackers, maybe a little bit of a question. We'll get to that at the end of this, but uh, you know certainly the, the the front, like the guys that are getting after the passer. It's you look at this front and you're like as an offensive line or a quarterback, and you kind of go, oh crap, they're going to be hard to block. You can never have too many athletic pass rushers who especially play like dogs and if we're talking about like you know Jalen Carter maybe being a Fletcher Cox one day in terms of looking at the long term and how he could kind of you know replace a role like that I think Nolan Smith Mm -hmm. in some ways is like a Brandon Graham not built the same clearly um but in terms of a guy who like brings the juice and brings the energy, I think Nolan Smith, yeah. he plays with a lot of energy and he brings the energy. And a lot of guys on the Eagles and coaches talk about how that's a, that's a big part of uh, BLD's value is that he like he kind of ma- he perks everyone up and like make, he yep. gets everyone feeling better or getting everyone juiced. And I think Nolan Smith's going to be that kind of player um, talking about his play style. I think one thing I really notice a lot when I watch him is his ability in pursuit. That's like where you see that athleticism show up. And I think. In today's modern NFL, where a lot a lot of quarterbacks, more than ever, probably can run around and make things happen, I think he's kind of a counter to that. I think he is a guy who can kind of – like a lot of these defenders, let's say like Brandon Graham, who mm-hmm. came in the NFL a long time ago and is older, like that's not the modern NFL rusher like a Redick and or a Nolan Smith who can chase these mobile quarterbacks down from behind and actually catch them and or at least like you know tackle them for a two yard gain or whatever instead of letting them run all the way down the field I think that's, that's right this is kind of an answer to that so I just think that's kind of an interesting to think of thing to think about as well um and why the idea of like undersized I think is just overstated I think people are overcomplicating it um he was an excellent player for the best team in college football <laughs> like it doesn't have to be 
that he doesn't play to his size either. Like like I said, like he's a physical run defender and he sets the yeah. edge. Like you can, you can just look on paper and say, okay, he's two thirty eight. His arms, but have you seen his arms? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So I got an A for this grade, uh, A plus, whatever you want to call it. It's A plus for me. It just, I, it was just this had me. This the night one honestly had me very excited to watch the twenty twenty three Eagles. It had been kind of a very tough stretch since they lost to the Super Bowl. I kind of just didn't have the the big, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. The biggest appetite for this team because, um, like they lose their coordinators, which again, maybe not the worst thing in the case of Gannon, uh, but like they lose the Super Bowl. They lose their coordinators. I don't even care who they hired defensive coordinator at that time. Cause like, I don't, who cares? I don't care right now. All I'm thinking about is how they're going to lose a bunch of key players in free agency. It's going to be so hard to get back here. It's like, okay, well, after you add this kind of talent, and to be clear, it's not like you can just count on a rookie class to prop you up in a Super Bowl. But man, the guys they added could be some pretty important players who can help now and the long term of this team. So I think night one was an absolute success for the Eagles, A plus grade uh, for the Smith pick, especially. But like, I just, I honestly don't think it could have gone much better for them. Like, this is like, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, just when you look at day one alone, and you compare that to, in my opinion, their biggest competitor in the in the NFC right now, which is the 49ers, they didn't have a pick mm. on day one. They didn't have a pick in the second round either. They they didn't made their first pick until the until round three. So if you're looking at the Eagles from their perspective, it's like, okay, well, they just got a lot better. And maybe not a lot better, but they got better. And uh we didn't. So yeah, I think uh the Eagles kind of took a step forward over not just the 49ers, but all the rest of the teams in the NFC. Uh, when they were already, in my opinion, very clearly the best team in the conference. All right, going to be a long episode, so we're going to take a break here, but not before I tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which I mentioned at the top of the show. You go to RighteousFelon.com, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. These Eagles draft picks, these new guys that are going to be at the Novacare Complex, will be at Rookie Minicamp shortly in the near future. And they'll have a chance themselves to taste Righteous Felon Craft Jerky because it mm-hmm. is the snack, one of multiple snacks that are available to them at the Novacare Complex Fueling Station. So if it's good enough for the Eagles, it has to be good enough for you to go to RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I like to stress that that is a forever discount code in the sense that a lot of these promos you see at different places, that's like a one-time only kind of thing. So because the, the goal is okay we'll get these people in with a one-time discount but then you know we're going to charge them full price that's how that's why the companies do it right because they're making the money back later on whereas with right to selling it's a forever discount code so you just keep using bgn15 to always get 15 percent off it's a great way to save once you try it and you like it and you are going to like it so give it a try right to selling.com just going to code bgn15 15 off Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, three, two, one. Jimmy, I'm a big numbers guy, as you know. Jersey number analytics and whatnot. I like the three, two, one, the descending order there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm this way also with like setting the microwave time sometimes. How long am I going to heat something up? I do that too. I do like a favorite number. Do you have like a certain number you like to use? Well, so my microwave now, uh, <laughs> a full rotation is 10 mm-hmm. seconds. So if I put, I, I don't microwave much other than a coffee, like my coffee mug. Like if I will drink like half my coffee and then I'll heat it back up for the second half. And I'll put, I'll put it in. So the handle is facing me and then it'll do uh, it. So it's either, it's always in increments of you know, 10, 20, 30, mm-hmm. 40, so that the handle's facing me when it's done. But back in the day before I was a big J journalist and uh, I was, uh, you know, more of an Eagles fan. <gasps> I would do I would do Jersey numbers. Nice. I would like so like if like I just needed something heated up a little bit, then it would be Dawkins. I was gonna, I was gonna like guess 20. twenty. Nice. <laughs> and then if it were you know something uh, you know a little little later or whatever, I I pick some player number you know a little higher up or whatever. But it was always some kind of number that was an, an Eagles player. I'll do a sixty nine because I'm six foot nine, obviously. Um, I 42 okay. is a big one because 42 is just a number that like, that was my high school basketball number. It's, it's followed me around my life in like a lot of different weird ways, or at least I notice it more. Um, another thing I'll do is like, um, sometimes, you know, if I'm scheduling a post for BGN or whatever, like a one, two, three ascending order, as opposed to the descending order of this episode, maybe a one Oh one, uh, like the symmetry there. Um, yeah, some good number talk here. If you like to use numbers, <laughs> who do we? Th- what do we think uh, they're going? Jalen Carter and uh, Nolan Smith are going to wear. I think. I think Carter's yeah, obvious. Ninety-eight. It should be ninety-eight. For yeah. Carter. I wish, man. I wish. I really wish ninety-nine could be used. I understand it's not, but I really wish ninety-nine could be used for the Eagles because Jordan Davis and Goddard is obviously eighty. Yeah. Which is also not Carter's, a good. Uh, I don't, wait, I don't think defensive line can defense. Def, yeah, I don't they, know if they, they can, can or wear not. that. I don't think they and can. Also, I don't like yeah. the look anyway. I do like 88 in general as a number. Oh, see, I, I like the 88 on him in, in, no, at Georgia. it doesn't look right to me. No? You know, okay. should be – and I don't love 90 on Davis. I really – I kind of wish he took 98. Biggest player, biggest number. But anyway, we'll, we'll get yeah, to I get that. Jersey number analytics later on the podcast I do with Solak. But to answer your question, I like 98 for Carter. Smith's a little tougher. I do want the single digit on him. I think that kind of looks good. Obviously, four. Yeah, three is the one that I had earmarked for him. Or zero. I could see. I could. I could do a mm-hmm. zero with him. Although there's another player who might need zero more that we'll get to later in this show. Um, he was 42 in high school. Hey, there you go. What did but I? But that's say? Tavon. What did I say about that number? <laughs> I didn't even know that. And he's my guy. Yeah, he's 40. He's 42 at IMG. And then yeah, he was four, of course. He can't Georgia. wear 42 in the NFL. It's not a good look. Uh, Tyler Steen, Jimmy, is who the Eagles drafted. Yep. Well, before we get to Tyler Steen, they made a little trade After back. Trade so they were at pick 62. Yeah, they were at pick 62. They they traded with, the te- trade with the Texans a lot, by the yeah. way, during this draft. Probably not the worst uh, but they idea. they moved back three spots. 
<laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's like on purpose that they identified the Texans as a team to trade with. But uh, they're at 62. They trade back to 65 and they pick up picks number 188, which is in the sixth round, uh, early sixth round. And then they pick up pick number 230 in the seventh round. Uh, so they got it. This is a little different. So, like, I think they were targeting Tyler Steen and Sidney Brown. So there was a little bit of a risk here. Not unlike when they traded back a few picks and then, oh, man, I forget the guy's name that came off the board when they eventually uh, picked Milton Williams. There are actually two guys. There's Aaron, Aaron Robinson in the corner. Ali uh, McNeil. Yeah, Ali McNeil, from uh, who the Lions picked. Uh, bigger defensive tackle. Pro- different kind of defensive tackle prospect than Milton Williams. And then, of course, that led to Tom Donahoe snubbing Howie Roseman with the fist bump in the war room. So they did take it. Howie didn't shy away. He took a, took another risk. In this case, my understanding is that uh, those were the targets, Steen and Brown, and they wind up did falling anyway. But they took a little risk by, by moving back a couple spots and picking up those two extra picks. Uh, but it worked out. They get a couple freebies. And then at pick 65... They take, as you mentioned, uh, Alabama, transfer from Vanderbilt, but uh, finished his career as the Alabama starting left tackle, protecting the blind side of the number one overall pick in the draft, Bryce Young. Uh, The trade down was nice, too, because the Eagles only had six picks at the time, I believe, entering the draft there. It's that point still. So, you know, they, they needed a little bit more ammo, especially with that big gap they had from round three until round seven or whatever or six at that point um Mm -hmm. so i definitely like the trade down and i think it was fair value i remember like looking at the draft pick trade chart it was like 284 versus 281 it was pretty even so fair trade um maybe a slight Mm -hmm. loss for them if you want to call it that but uh they get tyler steen who is uh from alabama as you mentioned at least finished his career there you would think jeff stoutland having previously coached there might yep. have some connections and some unique insight into uh who he is as a person and a prospect um athletic big uh played tackle left tackle played right tackle after starting out as a defensive tackle i think the book on him is that he could use some refinement when it comes to technique, which is kind of the perfect place to come. Uh, I think he had a higher right. value maybe to the Eagles because of that, because they don't necessarily need him to play right away. Although, I mean, it sound, they're gonna, they announced him as a guard, so it seems like he's going to be playing guard. And, I mean, do you feel like he can compete for the, right, uh, the starting job at right guard? Because I do. So they didn't shut that down. I think Juergens is very clearly the heavy favorite mm. to start at right guard. But are we sure though? Are we when, like totally sure about that? Because he has never <laughs> played so. there. I mean, I'm not now because the Nick Sirianni was asked, you know, does does Steen have a chance to start? And like if you were to ask does he have a chance to start at right tackle instead of Lane Johnson? Like mm-hmm. you just get you know, you just get laughed at. You know, does he have a chance to start at if they drafted a center, does he have a chance to start ahead of Jason Kelsey? Like you're going to get laughed at, but he, you got to ask, does he have a chance to start at right guard? And Nick Sirianni said the best guy is going to play. So uh, he didn't totally shut that down. It was uncomfortably. He didn't like want to answer that question, (laughs) but, uh, but he was honest and he said that, you know, he's, he's got a chance to to win that job. So that will be a training camp battle Mm -hmm. to watch. So that's sort of exciting for me and a very, you know, nerdy kind of way, but, uh, but yeah, he, he's, 
He's going to move to to guard, as you mentioned, uh, in the NFL. He's got tackle experience, obviously played left tackle and right tackle. So it can maybe be a versatile player that can come off the bench and play either spot uh, in a pinch. And they needed O-line depth because you look at like what their O-line depth was a year ago. Left tackle, Andre Dillard. Uh, you had Sua Opeta, who was the, your first guy off the bench on the interior early in the season. Kind of got demoted a little bit as the season went on. Cam Jurgens was your backup center. Uh, you kind of had Josh Sills in the mix, but he's, I mean, we won't get into all that, but Still on the exempt uh, he was list. a guy that, that imp- impressed enough that he made the team as an undrafted free agent. And then of course their, their, you know, their number one backup was, and still is Jack Driscoll. And they got depleted, get Dillard gone, Sayomalo gone, which moves, you know, Jurgens up uh, into, into the starting lineup more than likely, um, like I said, Driscoll's still there. Opeta had a had a disappointing season, and Sills is on as lost, you mentioned on the exemplars. Last year they lost Coyote Yawashika, like they, and Brett yep. was hurt all year. He's coming back, but like they lost a lot of guys. But really, the only guy you can feel good about is Driscoll. So, you know, you look at and we mentioned this plenty during the the lead up to the to the draft, and when we were talking about you know the potential to take an offensive lineman early. But the reality is. They had two like just horrid seasons that got head coaches fired in 2020 and in 2012 when the, some offensive linemen got hurt and they weren't equipped with solid depth to back those guys up. It just wrecked their seasons. So you know, Howie Roseman is very mindful of how a season can go totally sideways if you don't have enough depth. And this is a guy who wasn't on my radar. It should have been Tyler Steen. I was trying to identify – uh, offensive, you know, good uh, backup offensive lineman, backup initially, but you know, could could potentially become a starter down the line. Who also maybe had some versatility, and he escaped my radar somehow. Uh, he should have been, you know, a guy that that was on my radar, but wasn't. But he fits the bill. I mean, he he his profile fits perfectly in terms of what he gives you in the short term as a backup, potentially a guard or tackle. Uh, can maybe start at guard in twenty twenty four. Well, first of all, he might start if he wins the job outright uh, this season, as you know, as Nick Sirianni said. Um, but in 2024, probably a little more realistic. If Jason Kelsey retires, Jurgens moves inside to center. He can maybe start at right guard, and then down the line, if if you think that he can be a right tackle, I mean, he's six four, three twenty one. So that body type is more tackle than it is guard. He's got short arms, so they're they're he's a little bit sub thirty three inch arms, which is short. So. I think for that reason, they think of him as a guard, but certainly can play right tackle if he needed to, because he's done it in college. Uh, so, you know, that I don't think I wouldn't think of him as like a long term answer as a Lane Johnson replacement, but maybe. So, you know, he he fits. He, he checks a lot of boxes in terms of, um, you know, giving them more stability uh, along their offensive line. And as you mentioned, thought of as a raw prospect, but has really good uh, athletic measurables. And that's what the Eagles look for. They look for guys that have the ability in their bodies and then, especially when they feel really good about their positional coaches, they feel like that those guys can be developed. And certainly, you know, Jeff, Jeff Stoutland is, a, is at the top of the list in terms of guys capable of developing young players. I don't think it's always the most, uh, the greatest analysis to be like, the team deserves the benefit of the doubt. But in this case, I think we have seen that they do with the offensive line. And yeah. maybe like, you know, you can quibble about the value of this pick to some extent, but I mean, I just have to kind of have faith here. or I have to give them, I, I do have to give them the benefit of the doubt in this case, because I think of 
um, you know, just Jeff Stetland's track record with offensive linemen and the value of the position. It's never like, I don't think it's like a terrible pick to take an offensive lineman, especially at this point on, on uh, an early third round selection here. And, and for the reasons you outlined about how things can go poorly um, when you neglect the offensive line, Jimmy, seven of the Eagles eight acquisitions. So I'm including DeAndre Swift in here uh, in this draft have five letter last names. How do you feel about that? Smith, hmm. Steen, Brown, that. Ringo, hmm. uh, McKee, Ojomo, Swift. Isn't that kind of funny? Hmm. Bo made the point that uh, Ojomo now leads the team by a wide margin in O's. He's got five in his name. Uh, yeah, the, the the a bunch of guys were tied with three previously. He's got five. We'll get to him uh, in a bit. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I think if I grade the Steen pick, it's like a like a B minus. It's fine. I went A minus here. I think he's a great fit. I, I, I really, I, I really think he's uh, he's exactly what they needed, and the, I think the value is right. Um, I, I'd seen you know some people had him rated as like a third or fourth round pick. They get him you know with one of the first picks in the third round. I don't care. He's a perfect fit for what they need. He's a potential future starter. And uh, yeah, and he's got he's got the versatility that that they look for. He's got the athleticism they look for. And that's you know, as you mentioned, raw ish kind of not raw, but like he's got plenty of starting experience both at Vanderbilt and, and Alabama. Uh, but a guy that can maybe hasn't reached his maximum potential. And uh, certainly, I think they can pull that yeah, out of him. again. I will, I'll frame it as has more value to the Eagles maybe than other teams who like. Right. Oh, I need a starting right guard today, so we're going to draft him and put yep. him in, and maybe he struggles early on or isn't ready for it. It's like, nope, he can kind of come here, be a backup, and or at least um, compete for a starting job. B minus probably too harsh. I'll up it up to a B plus. Uh, Sydney Brown is the next pick, Jimmy. Who? Yep. This one was a little weird to me. I've, I've seen some people more so even than Steen, kind of questioning the value at this spot. Really? Yeah, which is like weird to me because hmm. three of the 10 mocks that I used in a day two mock draft roundup for Bleeding Green Nation had the Eagles taking him at 62, and they got him at 66. So, like, I don't really agree with that. Um, I know Solak, I'm not sorry, sorry to call people out. I know Solak didn't, but our good friend Ben Solak didn't really like the value there. Um, and certainly, mm. you know, he's watching more of Sidney Brown than I am as a big draft grinder. So I'm not saying like a totally invalid opinion, but I don't think it was like crazy. I don't think it was unthinkable by any means that they took him there. Uh, I really like Sidney Brown's confidence and personality. Um, as far as I can tell, um, like, you know, the, or he's athletic, not the biggest guy, but physical. I did watch all of his interceptions and I have to say the six that he had last year, not like the most legit interceptions, like uh, the ball found yeah, him. As not, opposed not to the other trying way to say like he's bad. Or, he's still, but you still got to make the play. And that's exactly yeah. what I said about CJ DJ a lot last year. Right. Like he wasn't like making all those plays on his own, but to his credit, he was capitalizing. And there were, I think there was like one really good pick that I liked in there. Uh, but some of them are just like throws that seem to be like right at him. Uh, a couple other, a lot of them or multiple were like tip balls. Um, but credit again for having the hands and the uh, awareness and the ability to kind of make a juggling catch. That's not something everyone can do. Um, so I don't want to discredit him, but I'm just saying like, I don't think he's like a six interception kind of ball hawk player necessarily as he is um, more of just a competent starting safety who will challenge for a job here because the Eagles don't have established starters on the back end after losing Marcus Epps and losing 
the aforementioned CJGJ. You know, you're looking at um, Reed Blankenship. You're looking at uh, Terrell Edmonds. And I think you're looking at Sidney mm-hmm. Brown, realistically. And obviously, Kayvon Wallace is around too. But I think those three guys are going to be kind of competing for the top two starting spots. Yeah, that, that's another great uh, camp battle to watch when we get there too. But you mentioned the athleticism. He, he, this guy's been on my radar for a while. And it starts from one of my favorite articles of the year. Every year is Bruce Feldman of The Athletic puts out his quote unquote freaks list, like the freakiest athletes in, in college football. And both Sidney Brown and his brother, Chase Brown, uh, Sidney Brown was, was a safety for, of course, for Illinois. Chase Brown was a running back for Illinois. They were both pretty high up on that list. And sure enough, the combine, like he proved that he ran a four, four, seven, uh, which is, you know, great for a safety, um, you know, 40 and a half inch vertical jump, put up 23 reps. Uh, on the bench, which is great. Um, but, you know, he's not just an athlete, highly productive player. You mentioned the six picks, also had 60 tackles, uh, forced fumble, return to fumble for a TD. Big hitter, like very fun player to watch. He will come up and smack people in the mouth, uh, which the Eagles really haven't had much of really on in, in their secondary um, really in a while. Like this guy will come up and I guess they had Andrew Sandeo was really more of oh, a – of a, uh, you're scared he's going to take out one of your own guys. Epsi was so than... physical sometimes. He could he could yeah. uh, lay the wood if you will. I think this guy's different though. Like he 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 uh, he's he's like a legit like makes a lot of makes a lot of big hits. The Eagles' concern with him, maybe not a concern, but just the the tough part of the evaluate evaluation for him was that he didn't play much like on the like as like a center fielder or like a you know deep half. He didn't have a lot of those responsibilities at Illinois. He played a lot up in the box. So they it's not that they they weren't concerned that he couldn't do it. They just didn't know. And they became convinced of that uh, at the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy, they, they credited him. Who, he runs the Senior Bowl. They credited him for you know putting him in a lot of different uh, situations where he'd be covering guys you know, one-on-one. You could, they could see his athleticism there. And then also, like I said, you know, playing like – um, you know, single high or, you know, kind of deep half looks. Um, they, 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 and they felt comfortable enough that he could do it because he's going to have to do that in the Eagles defense. The other thing that was mentioned about him was that he's a quote unquote red star mm-hmm. player and how he mentioned that. And then of course, you know, that perked up the, uh, the ears of the media and attendance. Like, well, what's that? What's a red star player? And Roseman, um, explained that basically every scout gets a chance to put, a red star on one player. They kind of go around the room and they give their reasoning why. And, and one of their scouts uh, gave uh, Sidney Brown, the red star, um, you know, they, they got a chance to stamp the red star. And then if there's a doubt between like, a, you know, two players that they might pick at a particular spot and one guy has that red star and the other guy doesn't Roseman mentioned, well, Jeffrey Laurie will kind of go, well, that guy has the red star. So shouldn't we take him? It's kind of simplistic. And I kind of like that, though. Like, it's kind of funny. But I kind of like it. I don't dislike <laughs> it, but it's kind of, it seems simple. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, well, shouldn't you already realize that? <laughs> like, that's the point of the Red Star is having it there. You have to think that. I kind of, I them. still kind of like it. I, I, I like, I like that they do that for their scouts, too, because it's a very thankless job. It's a very difficult job. A lot of long hours, a lot of travel. And, you know, it's a point of pride to put your Red Star in a player and then have him get picked. So whoever that scout was, I'm sure is thrilled that that they took him. Um, but the, he's also got a great story, Sidney Brown. Not a great story, but it's the wrong way to put it. But a uh, very interesting story. He grew up in extreme poverty uh, with his brother, 
you can look that up on YouTube, you know, type in Sydney Brown, Chase Brown journey to the NFL or whatever. And, uh, they, they, and you know, they, it's, they beat a lot of odds, uh, both of those guys to, to be able to make it to the NFL the way that they have. But like you said, it's going to be a three-way competition between him and Edmonds and Blankenship for a starting job. I think he wins a starting job. In fact, if you were to say, if you were to handicap, like, which of those guys do I feel most comfortable will start? It's him. I think, I think people I think are it's I think you're sleeping on Edmonds a little bit. He had a nice season last year. Okay. I know he's not like a perfect player, but he's like a he's a credible NFL player. He's legit NFL, and maybe he doesn't even make the team honestly because his guarantee is so low. And maybe I'm <laughs> overrating him, but based on like the year he had last year and his body of work, I think the fact that he was a first round pick and is kind of viewed as a disappointment is kind of putting an unfair kind of like stink on him. It's like oh he's bad because he's not living up to his status. It's like well. If he got if he got drafted in like the fifth round, people might view him as like a nice player. So uh, I don't I don't necessarily agree. Um, safety is a it, well. This time last year, I think I probably would have said the same thing about Nicobe Dean. Okay, and then like four or five practices in the training camp, it was like, yeah, T.J. Edwards is very clearly the best right. linebacker on this roster, and there's no question about it that he's going to start. And that, whereas that was like maybe not necessarily a given this time last year. And then also you could see Kaiser White making enough plays in practice. You go, okay, well, that guy's going to start too. And Nicobe Dean didn't make – safety is an interesting position like linebacker yes. in that it, it's not like running back where you just step in and, and immediately, you know, no, it's not a hard – There's a lot going on. It's, it's a harder position to pick up. the shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I think, uh, you know, he, he seems like a very smart I agree. Uh, individual and, and I think he'll pick it up as, to, as did the Kobe Dean though. So like, you know, you never know, but, uh, but, uh, I, I think his talent is, uh, is, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a good spot to get him early in the third. It'll round. be interesting to see definitely how that shakes out. I feel good about Blankenship. Like I'm optimistic about him. I think Edmonds is a stopgap, but I think he can kind of give you some quality snaps potentially. And then I'm interested to see what Brown can show uh, right away. I do disagree with the red star thing in terms of literally interfering. He would say that because the only times he stepped in are when the Eagles took Lane Johnson, Jordan <laughs> Malata, and also he wanted Russell Wilson too. So right, right, but they didn't, but they didn't get it's him. It's kind of an unfair joke to make when it's <laughs> franchise had a really good draft, but just you know, just poking fun, just a little joke. And and, and he is also like undeniably one of the best owners in sports. Yeah, just this a little tease, you know. Keeping him in check, keeping a billion. But that was a ridiculous answer that he gave that time. Yeah, uh, Keely Ringo, Jimmy, is who the Eagles got yeah. early on day three. It looked like they weren't going to pick until you know what was it, the one eighty eight pick or whatever. Like they weren't going to pick until wherever they were in the sixth round. Yeah, and it was like, all right, you know, this is kind of going to be boring here. Draft starts at noon, but the Eagles might not pick until like two or something, two thirty. Like four. It was going to be like four. Okay, I think. Later. I think they got around to like the sixth round, like four thirty, something like that. So. Uh, the Eagles surprise us though and trade up to number one hundred and five. They get and it's an uncharacteristic trade in part two because of a thing you've talked about and why you had mentioned going into this draft that the Eagles shouldn't really look to dip too much into their future picks to get a pick yep. this year in that range specifically, but not so much attaching it to a player like they did with Carter. I don't think you were railing against that as much as you were kind of just like trading for a pick like they did for a 2024 third to turn into a mm -hmm. 2023 fourth round pick, an early one at that. Um, 
But I think something that I said to you when we had those conversations is like the only thing I would say is that like if there's an there could be an exception where you just love a player and you feel like you really want to get like you don't do it because just to do it because you don't have a pick in that range. But if you absolutely love a player in that range, then do it. Then get aggressive because you have that flexibility next year with all those picks that you have. And I think that's what the Eagles understandably did when they took Keely Ringo, who I never really was like super loved him, especially when there was talk that he could be like a first round pick or, you know, an option, you know, day two, if he goes straight down, mm -hmm. I never like loved that. Um, but when you're getting him early day three, at 105 overall, I know you had to give up the future pick, but this is a guy who's only 20 years old. I can't, like, that's crazy. He doesn't turn 21. There are guys that are 25 in this draft. Oh. He, he's five years younger than some of the guys in this he draft. He is three years, like eight months and 17 <laughs> days, I believe, younger than the Cowboys' second-round pick, the tight, the old-ass tight end that they took. <laughs> that's Schoonmaker. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that before the draft, I guess. And for a guy who is almost 6'2", and he runs like a 4'3", 6'40", insane. It's like an insane profile. I'm not saying he's the perfect player. Um, it could turn out that he isn't that good. I tend to think that when players fall, like I said, I'm being consistent about this. I said this about Nakobe last year. I don't think the most cogent analysis is to be like, oh, he was going to steal. They outsmarted everyone. Like, no, like he fell for a reason. Now it could be a bad reason, but he didn't just fall for no reason at all. And oh, you didn't see that, huh? What? So Albert Breer had oh, tweeted just before this. Oh, you this. did. Okay. Yeah, so, oh, sorry. So, All right, and then continue. we saw the reasoning. Yeah. Albert Breer had put out that, um, you know, there were concerns about his work ethic about, uh, and what was the other thing? Well, it's uh, maybe you saw something I didn't see, but he said, Ohio state offensive tackle, Dewan Jones and Georgia cornerback Keely Ringo faced character slash makeup okay. questions going into the process and didn't exactly answer them through the process. Okay, I, I think I was conflating that with um, because Rap Sheet, I believe, had his own little explanation that he jumped in oh, okay. at some point and said um, work ethic issues, and um, I guess I forget the other one. But point being, um, there were some concerns there, and he did fall. Uh, but it's like again, it's it's a, it's a one of the best players for despite his flaws for one the very best team in college football, like. Don't overthink it. And again, if I'm kind of keep banging this drum of, I think he was worth more to the Eagles than other teams because you're not drafting Keely Ringo to be a day one starter because you have James Bradbury, right. Darius Slay in place. Plus, you're not even necessarily like he doesn't have to be the top backup behind them because Zach McPherson is still here. And you also signed Greedy Williams. Those guys can kind of all compete for that top uh, backup cornerback spot. Um, I think it's a great move. He can mature while he's on the bench in terms of just getting older, learning the game. Um, and, like, I don't think he has to be a star like, to, to justify that trade. If he ever becomes, like, a decent starter, I think that's a really good move. Yeah, I mean, I had him going in the first round. Like, in my in my the only the full first-round mock that I did, I had him late in the first round. Because he's 6'2", 207, he runs a 4'3", Like, those guys, those guys just go first round. It's just how it is. And he didn't, and and the reason why we found out was again, of course, because of the these whatever whatever character concerns. And as you mentioned, he's, he's twenty. That's kind of you know that's kind of a big deal too, in my opinion. I actually asked Howie about to circle back to the you know trade you know using future picks um, to add to your current draft capital. I actually asked him basically that question: How do you sort of because really the Eagles have 
exploited um the it's in my opinion it's dumb first of all that like a, a future pick is worth a full round less which is sort of the rule of thumb in the NFL than uh than you know a pick in in the current draft i think that's crazy and i think the eagles have exploited sort of that dipshittery i guess in the, that's the only way i can think of putting it uh you know in, in nfl thinking and you know he exploited the saints he's exploited the dolphins uh, by picking up future first round picks, just doing exactly that. So it actually surprised me a little bit that they tra- that he traded a first round pick, uh, or no, excuse me, not a first round pick, but he traded a, a, I guess a third round pick in the in next year's draft. Again, it was an early four. They probably think they're going to be picking late in all these rounds anyway, so it's probably not that big of a drop off from you know where they'd be picking the third round next year as opposed to you know this fourth round pick, which was it the third pick overall on day three. In the fourth yeah, round, um, so it's probably going to wind up not being that big a drop off, assuming the Eagles have a, you know another good mm-hmm. season in twenty twenty three. But again, I asked him that question, and he didn't shoot down the idea of potentially doing that. And of course, he he did do it. But he said, "I think the most important thing is the value of the player that you're taking, uh, that or excuse me, that you're talking about, you know, trading that future pick." And he said, "By that I mean if we're in the third round and we have a first round grade on a guy." And we came to the conclusion that we would trade and you know a next year pick for him. Uh, it would be based on the fact of the grade of the player and the caliber of the player. And then of course, um, Zach Berman remembered his quote uh, from you know a week before the draft or whatever. And Roseman, you know how he sort of uh, came circled back on that again. He said Ringo was a guy that stuck out on our board. He had a really high grade. He was a guy that we were considering at those picked when we picked in the third round. So where they got Steen and where they got Sidney mm-hmm. Brown. They were considering taking Ringo there. A full round later, he's still there, and they they make the move. So I kind of like it. It's an aggressive move. It's not something I thought they would do, <laughs> but uh, but when they were on the board suddenly, uh, and and this guy was still available again. I had him. I had him in the first round. Uh, so I mean, in terms of what I think of him as a player, uh, and by the way, as a player, like he's tough. He's a tough player. He's he's you know sort of smart in terms of um, you know can 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 read what's going on. In zone, the knock on him is in man coverage, where his route recognition isn't great, and uh, he will give up separation uh, in in man coverage. But he's got time to learn and get better at that because the tools are certainly there. It's not because he can't. It's not because he can't cover guys physically because he's got the athleticism to do it, uh, and he'll have plenty of time to learn under Slay and Bradbury. Uh, probably won't need him to start for another two years. Perfect fit, in my opinion, in terms of where they got him, what he profiles as as a player, and um, and you don't have to play him right away. Probably not even the third guy. Probably not even the first guy off the bench. By the way, if uh, Slay or Bradbury go down, it's probably Zach McPherson is probably the first guy that steps in at least in twenty twenty three. So I mean, he's really going to have a chance to kind of just hang back and uh, and and become the best player that he can be, but probably more two years down the Healy road. Healy said his shoulder is healthy, but. Ian Rappaport uh, also mentioned that was the other thing in addition to the work ethic quote-unquote issues or concerns um, his shoulder got flagged uh, pre-draft so you know something that teams had some questions about Uh, the Eagles don't seem to have concerns about that but that's part of why apparently he fell Um, so yeah I think that's a if we're going to grade did we grade the Sydney Brown pick I don't think we did what what do you give Brown real quick uh I gave him a a minus wow i'm gonna go solid b on that one 
give a B for okay. I'm more of a tough grader but, than you are. All mine are like <laughs> my first five picks <laughs> are like uh and I was getting crap for it in the uh in, in my com in in, in the Ooh. comment section of my articles was it called A, A minus, A minus, A. It's a, uh, whatever. But I mean th- I feel like they crushed this draft. Uh but this pick I give a B plus. I went to my friend uh Abby's birthday party, stopped in uh, after the draft on Saturday night. Shout out to Abby. And um, so, like she was telling, you know, people what it was like a lot of her friends there, uh, not as many people that I knew. So she was like telling people like what I do. And they were like, oh, how do you think the Eagles did? And I, and I felt like to what you're saying here, I was like, well, I'd kind of yeah. give them an A plus. And they're probably like, oh, this guy's just, you know, like, whatever the team does, he praises <laughs> it. It's like, no, if, if only you knew. Little little <laughs> did they know that we crush them regularly. Right. So when, like, when I felt like dumb. I was like, oh, they did really good <laughs> i just felt like it was like a you know not a believable answer because it seemed too good to be true but that's hey that's kind of mm-hmm. how exciting this eagles draft has been and maybe i'm grading too harshly uh, on a micro level because I, I think they did amazing overall um but i will give the brown pick i'll give i'll i'll, I'll ease up a little bit i'm gonna give them a b plus for brown and for ringo um I have to t- factor in the trade there, but I-, I like the pick a lot, and I like the profile and the risk. You just don't get players of this like mold <laughs> at this range. Yeah, agreed. And for the, yeah. for this, the, who they played for, it's insane. You said after day two ended, you were like incredulous that Ringo was still available. Like you were, we were yeah. in our te- little text <laughs> that we have. So yeah. this isn't even just hindsight analysis here. You were saying this. Um, I will give the Ringo pick an A minus. Yeah, I got B plus here. Alrighty. Jimmy, let's take another break here before we get into an exciting trade that the Eagles made. And you should tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. Yeah. So if you're looking to buy or sell a house, uh, you can reach Kristen Roach at 856-906-9295. Voted on by God. God gave Kristen Roach an A+++++++. Uh, was voted by God as the best realtor in the history. Oh, you can't of give her universe. an A plus plus until she sells a house, and you know, three years <laughs> later, if it's a good house or not. <laughs> well, she has. She's been. Uh, she's got plenty oh, okay. of those, uh, and uh, you know, plenty of those notches on her on her bedpost. That's a mm, bad analogy. Whoa, what's going on uh, there? <laughs> no, but she's uh, no. She's been doing it for somewhere between like fifteen, twenty years. She's a like pro. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's sold plenty of houses that turned out had plenty of transactions that have panned out. We don't need to to see three years down the line. We already know that she can, you know, bring home the deal and and uh, you're you're satisfied three years later. But yeah, voted on by God, best realtor in history in the universe. To repeat again, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon, back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. We're back here on B. GN Radio, Jimmy, the Eagles traded for DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia's own, St. Joe Prep's own. He's coming home to Philly where he, I believe he was high school teammates with Olamide Zacchaeus, so that's kind of fun. Um, I have to say, I might be a little bit lower on this trade than others. 
uh, again, not a hindsight thing. I was talking to my aforementioned Lions fan friend, uh, Alex Reno, who uh, does some things for our uh, associates over at Pride of Detroit. And he was like, hey, what would you give up for Swift? Because obviously the Lions, it was pretty clear that he was available once they traded up for oh, Jameer yeah. Gibbs and having already signed David Montgomery in free agency. And also... I don't know if you saw this at all, but Brad Holmes press conference after they drafted Gibbs, they kind of, you know, uh, a reporter asked about Swift and Brad Holmes answer was basically like, well, he's on our roster right now. So like, not really, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's really yeah. not in the plans moving forward. Um, so I, I said to my friend, Alex, like, I, I think I would give up like a six that could turn into a five at most, because this is a player who has had issues staying healthy. I know he hasn't missed a ton of games, but it's like one of those things where, oh, he's questionable a lot and there's a lot of nagging injuries and he can be in and out of the lineup in a given game. And he's on the last year of his rookie deal. So, you know, he's only he could be gone after this year. Now, some would spin that into being like, you can get a comp pick for him. And maybe you can, but that's not like a guarantee. You can't just count on that. Um, a lot of different variables go into that. Uh, I hate that, by the way. <laughs> like, it's not a given. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it. Yeah, it's yeah, okay, yeah. it's possible, but it's not like something you can just bank on. Uh, right. He's a talented player. I don't doubt that. Obviously, pass catching ability, it's nice. I do think there's a little bit of Miles Sanders here in terms of uh, Lions fans. I know are like frustrated with his vision at times and not always taking what was there. Uh, I do think the Eagles had to make a move at running back, and I do think this is cost effective relative to other options. Reed, they were never taking B. John Robinson at number 10. Um, of course, yeah. Uh, so I, it's not like a, it's not a, like a, a terrible move to me, but I th guess where I would push it and why maybe I'm lower on it. I, I, it's not a steal. They didn't steal DeAndre Swift to me. They paid like a, not an overpay, but they, they paid like a relatively fair price to get him. I think my I even perception say what it was, of... and it was a 2025 fourth, sorry. And they swapped oh, okay. the seventh round. Uh, oh, right. Well, what did you say you would, you would give to the pride of Detroit people? I said I would give a six that could become a five. Okay. Yeah. So that's about like if we're still using the rule of thumb where you take a year, uh, it gets downgraded by a year for each year away, you know, two years from now, and a, f a four is the same as like a six now. Again, I don't agree with that I philosophy, also don't but, agree with that. Yes. <laughs> but, but that's the way the NFL sees it. Um, anyway, it's, it's a pick two years from now. Um, but yeah, Jameer Gibbs, uh, great player. I can't understand how he possibly went 12th overall. Uh, of course, B. John Robinson goes eighth to the Falcons. Just terrible values, in my opinion, for each of those teams. Because you get guys like this that suddenly mm -hmm. become available. And like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, like these guys are just available for not that much. And in this case, it's not so much the draft pick that's the that's the value here. He's only going to count for one point, a little under $1.8 million on the, on the Eagles cap in 2023. So when you look at the Eagles – top four running backs, you have DeAndre Swift now, you have Rashad Penny, you have Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, that foursome of running backs are going to count for a combined 5.2 million on the cap. <laughs> and like, and in terms of draft pick allocation, collectively, they cost a, four, a fifth round pick, which is what, caught, was what Kenny Gainwell was, and now a fourth round pick that's two years away uh, for DeAndre Swift. You don't need to spend valuable resources on this position. I think their running back rotation is now like, I mean, 
It's not top 10 in the NFL, no. but you can look at it and you can go, it's still pretty good. So, like, my perception of what Andre, of what DeAndre Swift is as a player, I think my, my mind, like, he's a really explosive, dynamic back. And I may just be clouded because, and Nick Sirianni kind of said the same thing. Like, he was asked about his skill set or whatever. And he, he just went right to week one last year where DeAndre Swift had a huge game yes. against the Eagles and looked awesome. There's another game that I saw of him where he played they played Washington and they beat Washington. There's one player in particular who caught a pass, kind of like went to the ground, popped up somehow with, yes. in in a way that was super like it was like super impressive and it was like wow, how did how does your body even do that? And then he sort of weaved his way through traffic and and scored on that play. And I was like, wow, that's like one of the highlights of the season. Um so I just when I when I've watched him, he's really impressed me. I guess there are some durability issues which, you know, on this roster isn't great because you already have one running back who has durability issues and I mean issues is putting he it just lightly. literally will not stay healthy. Like again, there's just like yeah, a zero percent chance Penny. he's gonna play all seventeen games. But uh in the aggregate, you know, the Penny and you know, now you got DeAndre Swift. Kenny Gainwell kind of came on at the end of the year last year. Boston Scott just is what he is, and he'll give you two great games at a minimum every year against the Giants. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a it's a it's a decent running back uh, room. And if you know if these guys, if, as long as they don't have like season ending injuries, if they just go down for a game or two here and there, it doesn't really matter because the Eagles can the Eagles offense can beat you in so many different ways that like who cares? Uh, but like the but when these guys are healthy. I think they have a chance to be really special behind this Eagles offensive line. And uh, I, I like this trade a lot. Um, Maybe a little bit more than I would have than you know, I, you'd like to pay, but I think the compensation's fine, particularly because he only costs, you know, he costs under $2 million uh, for the 2023 How season. How would you grade it? I gave it a okay. B plus. Yeah. I'm going to go B minus. Um, I don't love, I think a fourth round pick is like, it's not, it's, it's a, it's not for nothing. One I year, agree. For one year. And, you know, maybe the Eagles yeah. could resign him. Robert Quinn. Pick. Yeah, it's just like, it's not, it's not amazing to me. It, for, it's a one year for a player at the most fungible position in the NFL. So it's just like, it's not incredible value. It doesn't have to be. Um, I think that there is upside for the Eagles running back room, as you outlined. I also think there's a very low floor for the Eagles running back room because yeah, true. this is going to be a situation where, oh, Swift, by the way, you mentioned it was great in week one. That was something that um, I kind of gathered from Lion Sands. Like, yeah, like he's good then because he kind of wears down, especially more so than other players with his injury history as the season goes on. Mm -hmm. So you might get better performances from him earlier in the season, but you kind of worry about him and his effectiveness holding up to the course of the year. Um, I, I think there's a floor where Swift isn't really putting it together and he's hurt and then Penny is out and then Kenny Gainwell, you can't really rely on as like a full-time player is more of a role player. Right. Um, maybe the postseason was something of a mirage. Boston Scott isn't a full-time player. Like there's, I think the Trey Sermon might not make the roster. There's, there's also like a low floor. I think there's, there's a nice ceiling, but also a low floor for what they yep. have at running back there. Um, it's fun again that you bring him back to Philly. It's a fun side angle. It doesn't really matter a ton, I think, in the grand scheme of things, but um, it's worth mentioning. And uh, I, on the offensive line point, like the Lions have a very good offensive line, to be clear. So I don't want to hear like, "Oh, imagine Swift behind this offensive line," because I would say the Eagles is better, uh, especially when it comes to run blocking. But like the Lions have a really good offensive line, so yeah. I don't like think he's been held back by any means. Although 
to kind of argue against myself for a second, the fact that DeAndre Swift will be paired up now with Jalen Hurts instead of Jared Goff in the backfield right. is a big deal. And I think that could potentially help Swift and unlock his game a little bit more, having that just the mobile threat that Jalen Hurts provides and how he kind of gives a boost to his running back. So, but I guess my and the receivers too. I mean, yes. I think AJ Brown and Devontae Smith factor into that too, because you can't you can't load the box because if you do, they're, they're going to get just, just destroyed in the, on the outside. And I kind of just wonder how much the Eagles are really going to use a pass catching running back. We've talked about that, and we didn't really think the Eagles uh-huh. would be as likely in play for Gibbs, assuming he was actually going to go more so at thirty than he did at twelve, uh, because like it's kind of hard to know exactly uh, how much of the lack of running back catching is the talent versus the preference of let's say Jalen Hurts might just be want to run the ball instead of checking it down um so like, I don't even know that that necessarily matters as much that you're getting swift and he does that well which is a nice thing to have in theory but I don't know how much that's going to translate we'll see um I think that's nice but I think in general with there being more pass catching upside I think swift you can kind of expect him to be Miles Sanders ish from last year. That's kind of my expectation. For so uh, here's the way I'll put that. Like you weren't, you, you weren't going to target Sanders that much anyway, mm-hmm. because he's not a good pass catcher. Um, I think, you know, Sirianni showed that, I don't know how much of the play calling he was doing back in the day, but um, when he worked with Austin Eckler, he was obviously a big threat out of the backfield as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with this current Eagles team, you're just not going to throw to the back that much when you have AJ right. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Like it's just, you're going to throw to those top three guys because a, they want targets and B they make plays when you throw it to them. So like, you're just not going to utilize the, 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 and I'm sure they will. They'll, they'll, they'll throw to Deandre Swift more on, you know, per play, I guess per, per snap count or whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll throw to DeAndre Swift more than they 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 will to Miles Sanders, but I don't think it's going to be some crazy amount more just because they have three star players that they can throw to. Otherwise, I agree with that. Last thing I'll say in Swift is that uh, I do think it's possible that sometimes we look at players through name recognition and through fantasy football specifically, yeah. and we kind of overrate guys sometimes. I do wonder if that might be happening with Slift a little bit. Sometimes Could be. players are way better. Not saying the Eagles are doing that. I'm saying from a fan perception, um, yeah. I think sometimes you see a name and uh, just because someone's Everyone knows who yeah, he great is. in fantasy doesn't necessarily mean they're actually... Fantasy and real life are different things when it comes to... like Some guys are great in fantasy and not actually good like real-life football players. Um, so it's just not a home run for me. I think it's a it's a worthwhile move. It's a good move, but I'm not like... Oh, this was a steal, but that's fine. What did you give it? Minus. Or did you say already? Okay. Uh, he next up, I have Howie Magic written down is in the little my notes here, <laughs> talking about okay. the trade they made when so they had acquired two thirty from the Texans earlier, as you outlined, and the trade down from sixty two to sixty five, mm-hmm. and they already had two forty eight. Or yeah, they had two forty eight. Um, and I think that was their own pick, if I'm not mistaken, but. I think it was. But they yeah. turned those two, 230 and 248, into 191, which is three spots behind where they were set to pick at 188, which they had also gotten from the Texans. And then before uh, the Eagles even got up to that range at 191, I think, unless they were on the clock. I think they were on the clock for that. No, they weren't. Sure. They, 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 so, yeah, because they, um, they had 188 and 191, and they hadn't picked Tanner McKee yet who was their pick at 188. The trade happened before they took Tanner McKay. 
So they were not on the clock at 191 when they trade the 191 pick. I don't pick. know about that. I'm certain okay, of that. Well, certain of it. It doesn't matter. In any case, um, the Eagles <laughs> turned two seventh round picks into 199, which if you go by the trade aforementioned. Oh, no, wait. No, you know what? I think, you, right. I think you're right yeah, to, yeah. to furrow your brow at me on that one. Uh, so they. Because I was writing the Tanner McKee pick, and I and I Same. I was I was stressed right. because I knew that exactly. I was going to have to write another pick right after, and they I saw they traded the pick, and I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's what I was thinking as well. But anyway, if you go by the uh, trade pick value chart, two thirty and two forty eight, and again these fluctuate and whatever some charts say differently, but they undervalue those seven sure. round picks because they they're, they're all, all they're one all point. one point. But, Let's just yeah. for just the sake of me bringing it up, it's those are each one point, so that's two points total into one ninety one, which is like twelve point six points. So like you know, that's good value by that. And then even better, they turn one ninety one into the Buccaneers twenty twenty four fifth round pick, <laughs> which right. I think is a pretty nice move considering like Bucks might not be very good. They're gonna be terrible. Uh, <laughs> starting Baker Mayfield, their quarterback is Baker Mayfield, <laughs> and or um well, the other guy uh Kyle Trask. So like you know. Yeah. Uh, I would certainly bet, by the way, kind of a, a very fun aspect of the Eagles, you know, getting these teams future picks, more teams to root against, obviously more so in the case of like the Saints, <laughs> right? The Eagles own their second round pick, but they yeah. have a Bucks future uh, pick as well. And who else in there? There's another team in there. I feel like uh, I forget mm. who, but in any case, uh, oh, the Vikings because of the Rager trade still. So, oh, you know, right, yeah. you're rooting against those teams because they're in, in the NFC. And you, and you root for Rager. And you root for, well, <laughs> good luck with that. That's that's a, <laughs> but, yeah, that's a, that's an exercise in futility. But, but. I think this is great value and it kind of helps to kind of offset, I think. I know it's a different year, but like the Swift trade. Well, I guess really a more applicable uh, scenario here would be the Jalen Carter pick. So you gave up the 2024 fourth to ensure you got him and now you get a bucks 2024 fifth which might not be too far off if the eagles are really good and the bucks are really bad from that mm-hmm. Jalen carter pick so it kind of just offsets that and i think that's that's good value agreed i would give that trade like an a yeah the the, the, the two trades combined yeah i would agree it's an a trade okay because basically what they did was they turned 230 and 248 yeah. into a fifth round pick Two late seventh-round picks <laughs> into a fifth-round pick that could be early. <laughs> right. It's a good move. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Tanner McKee, Jimmy. The Eagles draft a quarterback. The quarterback factory drafts another quarterback. I don't think everyone loved the pick. And I get it because you draft a guy in day three. It kind of feels in some ways like you're lighting a pick on fire because the Eagles once upon a time did that with Clayton Thorson. And I'm sure other people in the past and other teams doing that. I have to say, Jimmy. I liked watching Tanner McKee more than I thought I would. I was watching okay. him. I was grinding the tape, if you will. And <laughs> I, like, I saw some nice throws. I was like, this is kind of surprising. Uh, yeah. He was, I think his PFF's like 93rd overall prospect or like 79. Like he was like in their top. Of- Anytime he did a PFF, like simulated mock draft, he was always like the guy that was available, mm-hmm. like at the top of their list in like the second or third round. And you just kept passing on right. him like pass him on, on, on the second round, pass him on the third round. Uh, but he was always at, at, sort of at the top of their list. So it's not surprising that they had him rated highly. He kind of, the body kind of reminds me of Nate Sudfeld a little bit, like thinner, lankier in some ways. Mm-hmm. And he is big for his size, 6'6". 6'6", six, six, sh- six, six, 231, Shorter than me, smaller than me. I always have to point that out. Um, okay. Well, it's kind of funny when I talk about like people being big and I'm bigger than them. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, but I kind of like... Flex. Like, yeah, that is a big flex by me, uh, literally and figuratively. 
he kind of reminds me of Nick Foles. Like, I, I feel like I saw some Nick Foles in his game. Um, hmm. I know he's not the most athletic guy. He's not going to be, like, running off, taking around, uh, or taking on the huge gains around the field. But I thought he had, like, good functional mobility in the pocket. I thought he could kind of navigate through pressure a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. he, he made some nice throws on the run from what I saw. He's, he's like, accurate. And I feel like uh, I like the phrase, he can spin it, and he can spin it. I feel very confident he's going to beat out Ian Book and be the Eagles' third-string quarterback this year. And if he continues to develop, he could potentially be their backup. Uh, Jalen Hurts' backup as soon as 2024. And there's value in that because Mariota got paid, what, like $5 million or whatever, up to $7 million, something like that. Like, that's not nothing. That's, that's a decent amount of money you have to pay for a backup quarterback. If you can have McKee here as a six-round pick, too, uh, on a rookie contract, you're saving like a couple million dollars. There's value in that. So my gripe with the pick is probably just ego-driven, <laughs> which, which uh, so I have like an idea sometimes of like what I think the Eagles are going to target at, at a particular position. And in in the case of a quarterback, I sort of had this idea that they were going to, you know, just keep trying to add quarterbacks that have mobility, like that, that can make plays with their legs because that's what they have already in Jalen Hurts. And it's sort of the idea of like the kind of quarterback they target in free agency, which they did. They added a guy like Marcus Mariota who can make plays with his legs. And, you know, we saw in 2022 where you know Gardner Minshew had to start a couple games. They're throwing big chunks of their playbook out because he can't run a lot of like the RPO kind of concepts you know, that require him to to be able to, you know, run with the ball on occasion. Defenses just don't respect the quarterback that they can't run. So, like, you don't bother even, you know, worrying about him running the ball, and that affects the rest of the play. Also, you look at, like, the stats that McKee had. Oh, actually, I'll get to the stats in a minute. I would say, like, the long term, when you look at, like, what McKee is, he's going to compete for the number three job with Ian Book. Presumably he'll win that or else, you know, or it's, or it's, you know, if he doesn't win it, then it's burning, you know, it's setting a six round pick on fire, which not a big deal, Mm -hmm. but that's what you're doing. Well, you'll keep him on the practice squad probably at least, but yes. And if the pick really works out, like this is the probably the best case scenario, he's your two in 2024 and and beyond, which you mentioned like at a low, at like a quarterback making six round pick pay is kind of like a, a, a big bonus. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a nice clearing of cap space that you can allocate elsewhere. But again, if he's got to play, <laughs> you know, you're throwing out big chunks of your playbook because he just can't execute him because he can't run. Nick Sirianni mentioned that and he's mentioned on multiple occasions, like the four things that he looks for in a quarterback. And they're always in this order. He says accuracy, decision making, the ability to create, you know, via mobility. And then number four is, you know, does he have above the line arm strength? in parentheses, can they at least make every throw? So he mentioned during his press conference that they like his accuracy. They like his decision-making and he's got a strong arm. That's obvious. Obviously can't create via mobility. So he's got three of the four traits that they really like the accuracy thing. I got to watch more of them, but just stat scouting completed 62.63.2% of his passes uh, and, a, and a really low 7.1 yards per attempt uh, through 28 inter- uh, excuse me, 28 touchdowns versus 15 interceptions. We're talking about the last two years, by the way, here. Um, like you've started the last two years, only 28 touchdowns the last two years. And 15 interceptions is kind of a high number for the last two years 
Stanford stunk. So like that, that's certainly factored into it. And I got to watch more of them. But in my dumb brain, it's not the type of quarterback that I expected them to take. So I think kind of people, I think there's a lot of people that kind of view this pick the same way. Uh, but the more I've kind of like digested it, I can see, you know, why they, first of all, Dorian um, Thompson Robinson sort of fit that profile of a mobile quarter, mobile quarterback. He went 140th, I think. And then the other guy that I liked was Jaron Hall from BYU. I think he went 160 something. So those guys were gone when, uh, when they took McKee and it seemed like they were probably, I, I wonder if they were like going to take a quarterback come hell or high water. Um, and he was sort of, I don't know if they had, I don't know who they had rated better, whether, whether it was McKee or those other two guys. Um, but I think, you know, maybe, maybe we, maybe I overthought it a little bit in terms of them definitely having to have a mobile quarterback to develop and not just a good quarterback, which he might turn out to be. I liked his interview. Um, thought, you know, not, not like necessarily overly impressive, but seemed like a good head on the shoulders as far as I can tell. Um, seems like a, a teammate that, um, his fellow teammates would respect. Uh, mm-hmm. In addition to that kind of stuff, which, you know, matters, I think, for quarterbacks. Um, this is from PFF. 1.5% turnover-worthy play rate in 2022. That was sixth best in FBS. You look at um, the offensive line is something that's been talked about. Like, he did not have a good O-line there. And to put some data behind that, played behind the 12th lowest graded pass-blocking offensive line in the Power 5 in 2022. And uh, that included games against UCLA and Utah, where he was under pressure more than 50% of his dropbacks. And I did see somewhere, I can't find it right now, that McKee had like a very quick time to throw last year, too. So this is not a guy who's like holding on to the ball forever and getting sacked. Like he's getting the ball quick, but he's still getting like pressure at an incredibly high rate. Um, uh, Of his 100 and... Stanford had a bunch of big, slow receivers. So that probably contributed. Uh, Of his 144 passes targeted 10 plus down the field only 38 were the receivers who were charted as open that's 26.3 percent <laughs> okay and the power five yeah. average on such throws like that is 31.1 percent so a below average rate of his receivers getting open um yeah so you know that's a lot of excuses imagine that stanford big slow receivers i don't know i think that's new <laughs> uh so maybe i'm crazy and overrating this dude i did not expect to like him to be clear but like when I, wa- mm-hmm. I was watching, I'm like, this guy can kind of play a little bit. Like Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a st- I don't think he's ever going to be a starter necessarily in the NFL. But as, you know, like uh, uh, a journeyman backup, a guy who can be a number two for multiple years. Yeah, I, I actually I think that is a reasonable ceiling for him. And again, I feel Ian Book has been bad. Like he isn't really we haven't get to see him so much for the Eagles. You know, we haven't seen him play. But when he played for the Saints, he was terrible. Um, so I just feel bet, and he's also very small, like Tanner McKee has prototypical NFL size. And I think he, he can, he can throw a nice ball. You mentioned the accuracy thing is, you know, the numbers not necessarily being there and, and we'll see, but like on the throws where he does throw it accurately, like he, those are some pretty good throws. So, uh, I'm kind of interested. They're, they're clearly not high on Ian book or they wouldn't have si- a, signed Marcus Mariota and then draft, a, a, yeah. a, you know, I think he's going to beat him out and actually I don't think it's going to be close, but we'll see. Um, all right, that's another three items down. So we'll take another break here, Jimmy. Send us the break. Back after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, where I forgot to grade the Tanner McKee pick, but I'm going to give it a just a flat B. What about you? C plus. Okay. Uh, Moro Ojomo, Jimmy, love this name, and I feel like maybe it's not. He he could be a zero. Oh no, I, I guess agree. defensive lineman can't have that. Whoa. Oh yeah. Wait. Well, but Ed's right. Wait. No. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. I think they can. They can. I think sure. So yeah, I think it's offensive lineman who can't. Oh, all right. Um. I think he can, because edge rushers can wear like, you know, like single digits. They can wear single digits, yeah. But he's, but he, I mean, he's a well, defensive tackle. He, but he also does kind of line up on the end sometimes. I've seen some rushes from him being there. I think there's some versatility to his game. Love his name. I think his double zero would be great with him uh, with all with all the, be, the O's that yeah, he has, uh, like Jim Otto <laughs> with the you know O at the yeah. beginning and the end of his last name. Same thing here, yeah, with Ojomo. Not yep. to mention the two O's in his first name. Uh, I do, and the O in the middle. Yes, I do think his nickname should be Mojo. Um, maybe that's not up to me to decide. I just think that would be a good nickname for him. Uh, okay, I just think it fits. I I almost. Remember how I could never say Nicole. Let's adopt that right now. Right. I'm, I'm We're in. in official I'm in position of BGN Radio. Moro Ojomo. Uh, his nickname is Mojo. I think it's a good nickname. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I keep spelling his name wrong. I keep writing Mojo. I keep wonder, I, I keep getting the J and the R mixed up in his name, especially when it's day three of the NFL draft and my brain is just fried. Like I had to keep looking it up. Um, this dude. In watching some of his games, by the way, some some people, some of the, like, the announcers called him Ojomo. Yes. And others were calling him Ojomo. It's called Mojo. It's <laughs> so. fun. It's a good. It's a good nickname. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Mo- Mojo eliminates Mojo all that. Mojo was one of the. He was actually the top sleeper that Ray Didinger, the great Ray Diddy, wrote up. Really? Uh, yeah. So, or, you know, Joe Santaliquido, who writes for Bleeding Green Nation, interviewed Ray Diddy, mm-hmm. and he did a list of five. Now, Deuce Vaughn for the Cowboys was also in there, so that's unfortunate. But um, Mojo was actually the top. Like he was the name at the top of the list. I don't know if he ranked them in the terms of preference, but he had Ray Diddy had put Mojo on that list of his top sleepers in the draft. And I know a lot of people, including myself, respect what Ray Diddy has to say. Um, Daniel Jeremiah mm-hmm. had him as like his one eleventh prospect or something like yes, that. Yes, that's correct. Just take yep. him at two forty nine. Was it like that's that's crazy value? Um, I think he's really good and uh, especially for what you're expecting out of him. I think as a rotational defensive lineman to get one of those in a defensive line rotation that I said earlier in the pod, they were using six guys by the end of last year. You had what you had uh, Cox Hargrave, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, Sue and Linval Joseph. They were all playing. Um, So there's absolutely an opportunity here. And even if there like, wasn't a ton of room at this late in the draft, like regard, like who cares? Like who else you have in your roster? This is just a great value pick. So I like this pick a lot. Uh, Mojo's my guy. Also, I'm adopting him as my guy. I'm going to give it an A. I think this is a nice move. <laughs> okay. Yeah, as you mentioned, Daniel Jeremiah, one eleventh. Dean Brugler had him as a, a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, so the value is certainly there. Uh, three sacks, thirty two tackles, 
um, this past season. He actually played for he's he's Nigerian born. He played we played in forty two games uh, at Texas, so and big program or whatever. So yeah, I mean he's he's uh, he's an experienced player um, for you know being sort of I think he's sort of new to football. I got I should probably fact check that actually, uh, but he's thought of as a, like a stout run defender, which is um, not what you think when you see his height and weight. He's six two. 292 uh but his game is you know sort of being a stout run defender he's got like a sort of that low center of gravity or whatever tough to move uh but yeah i like this pick a lot too he's going to give guys like marlon tui Pelotu, contavia street you know guys like that legitimate competition for a roster spot just a really solid late seventh round pick yeah they have a lot of bodies there at defensive tackle now you mentioned street uh, obviously so at the top we have cox carter uh, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, those guys are all going to play, I think, significant roles. And then after that, you're mm-hmm. looking at what? You're looking at Mojo's in the mix there. If Street plays well, um, he could be on the team. Um, they got rid of Big Marv, poured one out for Big Marv. Sorry, buddy. Uh, During the draft, too. Yeah, really weird timing. <laughs> uh, Noah Ellis is, you know, he's around. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone I'm missing? I don't think so. Yeah, Noah Ellis is interesting because he got hurt last year. He's like 340 pounds, so uh, and and played really well. What was it, Idaho? I think he yep. came from. Um, so yeah, he's he's another guy to look forward to in, in training camp this year too. But yeah, they are stacked, and there's a lot of competition there, uh, both in terms of like the t- the guys at the top, you know, getting as many snaps as they can, and then also sort of on the second and third line line guys just kind of trying to make the roster. Also, you know, I don't know if he's going to have value considering he was out there in free agency for a while. But you look at someone like Contavious Street. Um, if he has a good summer, you know, he's lighting it up at training camp. He's looking good in the preseason games. Like maybe not impossible. You could, you could trade a guy like that, not for like some amazing return, but maybe, you know, someone of his ilk at a position of need, like, Oh, a linebacker more depth or um, a late round pick in the future. If you trade uh, street, for example, and I think there's some other players like this, like I think greedy, like some of the the one year deal guys they signed because, Mm -hmm. The um the bonus number is low and the base salary is higher. Like, uh, for example, for Street, they could trade him and they would save about like one point one million in cap space by clearing his salary. So, um, you know, just something to think about. Never again can never have too many athletic edge rushers. I said that about Nolan Smith. You can never have too many like good rotational defensive interior players who you can rotate and they can all play snaps. You know, it's not like um you need to worry about that so much. I'm gonna give. I give it a day. What are you giving it? I give it a okay. B plus. Well, too too low on Mojo. Uh, undrafted okay. rookie, undrafted free agency, undrafted rookie free agency, whatever you want to call it. Jimmy, anything there that stands out to you? Well, Brandon, of course, does a great job compiling you, these guys, finding uh, the reports on these, which I basically just rip off right from his site, <laughs> and, and then I kind of look and I, uh, you know, write them up. But I wrote that up this morning. I don't think this is a very strong undrafted free agent class this year. I think uh, they've had certainly years, other years where they they brought in, um, I guess, more interesting or, or more intriguing players. Uh, the one guy that that's really recognizable is Eli Ricks, who was actually like one of the top recruits in the country uh, coming out of high school, originally enrolled at LSU. Uh, played there for two years, transferred to Alabama. This is a guy that, like, this time last year, 
uh, Todd McShay, for example, did like a way too early in a 2023 mock draft, again, a year ago. Eli Ricks is in the top 10. (laughs) So like he was at one time thought of as a potential, you know, big time prospect. I should note that, you know, going further, you know, going even one year further back, there was one way too early mock draft that had <laughs> Carson Strong as the number one overall pick. Well, <laughs> so that's like, not like insane. You know. Like he got hurt. His knees got blown <laughs> yeah. up. Maybe if his knees don't get blown up. I know. Up. It's, it's, it's still just funny to me sure. that he was, you know, the number one. And then he was the worst quarterback I've ever seen in training yep. camp. Uh, anyway, uh, Eli Ricks is the name that sort of headlines this list. Brugler had him as a sixth or seventh round pick. Lance Zierlein of NFL Network had him as, as like a fifth or sixth round pick. The other guy that's interesting is Mikai Garner, uh, listed as cornerback for LSU, really built more like a safety. And I think his measurables sort of more, I guess, uh, the, the, he's, he's got more of like a safety kind of body. I think he's going to be a safety. I didn't like confirm that with the Eagles or anything like that because they, they won't confirm anything anyway because they don't they pretend like these undrafted guys don't exist until they announce <laughs> that they're actually on the team. Uh, we should note, by the way, that like, Every year, there's like a guy or two that is reported as a as a UDFA, and then they don't sign with the Eagles ultimately. Uh, and every year, there's like a guy that we might miss or something like that that we find out, you know, did sign. So you know, take these with a you know small grain of salt. Uh, but yeah, I think that like like last year, for example, I thought I thought like their UDFA class was a lot more intriguing. Josh Job was thought of as like a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, he makes the roster. Josh Sills made the roster as an undrafted free agent. Um, who's the other guy? Eventually, Britton Covey didn't make it out of training though. camp. It was added certainly well, like, thereafter. Technically, he did because he they used the practice squad, you know, elevation on him until they put him up on. They bumped him up three times and then put him on the True. roster. So like he was kind of on the roster. And then um, you mentioned Reed Blankenship. No, Reed Blankenship. Yeah, right. No, I didn't mention him. But yeah, obviously, he was probably the most impactful rookie. At, like at all that the Eagles had last year during the season. But the big news on the undrafted free agent front is they signed a punter yes. <laughs> reportedly signed a punter. So finally we will have a punter training camp. Our competition. Long national nightmare is over. I, I tweeted to you during <laughs> the right. draft. If they did not acquire a punter in some form, just <laughs> honestly fold the franchise. Like just wrap it up. It's just, what are we doing? The arrogance <laughs> right. would be too much to, possibly bear if they could just be like nah we're gonna stick with Sipas again uh, thankfully they're not doing that and not just a punter um ty zentner jimmy also did some kicking at kansas state in terms of both uh, field goals and kickoffs so there's some even more mm-hmm. added versatility there which is a nice little bonus um notably the our you know our friends over at puntalytics the punt runs on twitter uh had identified Ty as a good fit for the Eagles. How about that? And this is before the draft, to be clear. They had him as their number fifth ranked punter. Um, mm-hmm. They could have gotten Bryce Berenger. On that point, by the way, he was ranked fifth there. Dane Brugler has him right, ranked as like the, his 18th punter, which I think a lot of people saw were like, ugh, 18th punter, it's terrible. To be clear, like like I have all the respect right. in the world for Dane Brugler. The thing that he puts out every year is phenomenal, and it's like it's like one of the best things that's published the every it's year. Your, it's and, the beast. It's yeah. the athletic. Yeah. So I don't mean to besmirch Dane Brugler's no. name in any way whatsoever, but 
on in terms of punting rankings and punting punting out. I'm going to trust you, these nerds that focus I on that. I think he would probably. <laughs> Whereas Dave Brugler probably spends like 30 seconds yeah, on that. I think he would. I'm, I'm, I could be wrong. Maybe he knows more about punting than I know, but I feel or than I think he knows. But uh I think Dane would might even admit that like he's not like you know standing firm on his punt <laughs> rankings. Like he might be like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I could totally right. be wrong there. Um, the I want to read what was written by our friends at the punt runs. Ty Zentner, the Eagles could opt to bring in Rutgers punter in twenty twenty two Ray Guy winner Adam Korsak to compete with Aaron Sipas, mm-hmm. but they've had enough time with pin deep specialists who struggle to uncork long balls to know that they'd like something different. Plus they never punt from beyond their 40. So why even go for a pin deep guy, which to break in for a second, they're here, listening to BGN yeah, radio. Um, I mean, they said it first to be clear. <laughs> I think they read it, wrote it first. No, 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 no. We said this uh, in earlier podcasts. It was more recently. I felt like we said that yeah, yeah. in any case, like we're on the same page. I'm not saying I'm taking okay, credit. Sure. But uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone copied anyone. I think we're just, we're no, both, no, I'm kidding, yeah, of course. But, yeah. but yeah. it's the same point. Yes, this is what we just said. Like, when I had him, the Eagles drafting Bryce Berenger, I'm like, I don't care if he can't freaking pin someone deep. Like, yeah, the Eagles aren't punting. Just get someone who can, you know, blast it from right. their, your own 20-yard line or whenever you're pinned back deep and have to go for it. Um, anyway, Zentner combines a monster leg with some serious shank issues. Fans see both on display in the preseason and though he doesn't beat out Sipos in 2023, the Eagles finally give themselves a respectable pipeline. So that was kind right. Of, so he's writing that yeah, as that a, was prediction. a prediction. Um, hopefully yeah. not true. Uh, hopefully he does. He, Zentner is actually able to beat out Sipos. At the very least, I'm glad they're bringing yeah. in competition. If I'm being honest, I don't really think Sipos deserves to be on the roster anymore. I don't think he should be part of the competition. I'd almost rather see two new guys. Really? Okay. He, he's been bad. He's been he's been like disastrous. Yeah. Right. Off. Yeah. He, I, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be surprised by that comment. What am I talking about? Huge role. <laughs> Two straight years, not the only f- reason why they lost in the playoffs both years, but, like, played a big role in both of those situations. And, like, someone was supposed to be surprised if that happens again in 2023. Like, I just, I don't know. But uh, in any case, I'm glad Zetner is here, and we'll see if he can do anything. Also, in, uh, on the undrafted front, they they signed two big, two big wide receivers in Joseph Ngata from Clemson and... Uh, uh, Jadon Hazelwood from originally from Oklahoma actually played one season with Jalen Hurts transferred to Arkansas. Both of those guys were also uh, five star <laughs> recruits out of high school. Just didn't live up to their uh, potential. Hazelwood especially was like a big time recruit. Like I think he was top ten both uh, via Rivals dot com and ESPN. Uh, but those those two guys are are maybe. Can, if they can show something in training camp content, and they can sort of um, embrace this kind of role, contenders for the Zach Pascal role in the Eagles offense. Yeah, and that is something they have to replace. It should be not like a, they don't, shouldn't have to spend any kind of premium assets or resources on doing so, but it's something they should look to do. So we'll see if those guys can come in and make a difference at all. Um, they also did you mention the offensive tackle they got as well? Okay. I didn't. No, Trevor. Yeah, Trevor Reed. Reed yeah. Just you know, I, I think the skinny on him is that he's not so skinny. He's a big. He's a big man who has tools, athletic, and mm-hmm. someone you would want to give to Jeff Stoutland. And you know, maybe he's on the practice yep. squad. He can develop into a future backup, ideally in a perfect world. That's the kind of the ceiling for that move. Um, anything more would obviously be awesome. Maybe he's just a camp body. We'll see. And then I guess the linebacker, did you mention him either? 
Michigan I didn't know. That's the one thing I'm surprised they didn't spend or yeah, I'm surprised they didn't add a guy that or find a guy because I think like an agent would go, okay, they'd identify that linebacker is a, is a need on the Eagles roster and send their client, uh, you know, the, the Eagles way. Like when they signed TJ Edwards. Yeah, <laughs> right. But Ben Van Sumeren, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but that's what it looks like on paper from uh, Michigan mm-hmm. State. Incredible athlete, yeah. but every scouting report you read on him, I haven't watched the second of this guy play, but every scouting report you read on him says, um, you know, more of an athlete than a football player. Yeah, the aforementioned uh, Alex Reno, my friend, uh, is a Lions fan, uh, is also a Michigan State fan, and he kind of said, like, wouldn't really expect anything more than special teams for him. So okay. take that for what it's worth. Um, Eagles need to do more at linebacker. Spinning it forward, kind of taking us out of UDFA here and getting to our final topic. What you know, what's left mm-hmm. for the Eagles in terms of multiple things, like the roster, what's coming up next. Um, what's left to do is they still need help at linebacker, probably. Right? I mean, you have Nicholas Morrow. Nicobe Dean might take a step forward. You're kind of hoping that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but it just feels like that's kind of a small duo there between Morrow and between Nicobe Dean. It feels like. You would like to add someone. I don't really think the Eagles are going to be trading, you know, like a second round pick to acquire someone. I think that's and depth is a question there yes. too. So, um, I feel like you. I don't know if there's a you know DeAndre Swift equivalent of some sort out there where you're trading for a guy like on the last year of his rookie deal. Maybe someone who is available falling out of favor somewhere. Uh, Deion Jones is still out there and free agency. Obviously, a little mm-hmm. bit um, approaching thirty has had some injuries, so you don't exactly know what to make of that. It wasn't even like a full-time starter all last year for the Browns. But, um, you know, it's not like there's amazing options out there. But And it's also, I don't think, I've said this in the past. We've all said this in the past. Like, oh, I think the Eagles can get by with what they have at linebacker, and they have not at times. So maybe I'm kind right. of underselling the issue there. But I think, you know... And they got a great year out of TJ Edwards last and year. Kaiser White. I think Kaiser White was not like mm-hmm. perfect, but he was like, again, relative. We've talked about it many times, but relative to the free agent linebackers they've signed in the past, he had a, a great season because the other guys couldn't even make it through the season on the team. Uh, so, and he got, you know, he got rewarded with a big contract from the Cardinals. So, like, you know, it's not like, oh, this guy stunk and no one wanted him. So, uh, still need to add a linebacker. Any other areas, I guess, of the team? Well, the backup to linebacker is Sean Bradley, who literally didn't play a defensive mm-hmm. snap in 2022. Uh, Christian Ellis is the other. Christian Ellis is actually higher up on the depth chart. I like the Christian, I like Sean Christian Ellis. Dark yeah, he played really well in special teams. And actually in like garbage time, thought he actually played pretty well uh, at, at linebacker. And, and then you have Davion Taylor, who I think, you know. It's going to be hard to him at this believe point. like if he played well in training camp or whatever. <laughs> I guess because <laughs> right. he did that last year. I was stunk in the preseason yeah. games. Like it would be an upgrade if he played in those. But like, how much do you trust it is the question. Because what if yeah, Brandon yeah, yeah. around and he I like, stinks? Uh, so that's going to be tough. But look, you can't have a perfect roster. I always say this. And you only have so many draft picks. You can't address every single position. Something was going to get overlooked. They overlooked the linebacker. Um, this time last year, they didn't have James Bradbury yet. So right. that was the big concern. Was or corner. CJ, DJ. Um, there was, you know, I guess uh, reasonable enough kind of belief that Zach McPherson could maybe start into a – could maybe step into a starting role. Insane. Maybe that's a little far – yeah. Um, certainly you didn't want to count right. on that, I guess. You didn't want to get into training camp and go, uh-oh, he can't do it, and then you're really screwed. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that at some point they're going to add another linebacker between now and the start of the season. Any other positions? 
that stand out? Yeah, I mean, wide receiver depth, yeah. I think, is pretty obvious. Wes Watkins, I would Running say, back, don't, they don't have to worry about anymore. In that, like, they didn't they didn't really add anyone <laughs> yeah. to compete with him. I know they signed Alameda, but in terms of they didn't draft, like, Jalen Hyatt. And, you know, that's like a direct. Yeah, when they were on the clock at uh, on, in that third round, when they took Steen and uh, and and uh, Sidney Brown, Jalen Hyatt was still there. And I was like, holy crap, if they get that guy in the third round. Yeah. It's just game over. <laughs> Even though I like those, you know, I like the picks that they made in the third mm-hmm. round. If they had taken Hyatt, wound up going at the Giants. I thought that was a great pick yeah. for them. Um, but yeah, the the wide receiver. For, for, I mean, just the slot receiver aside, if AJ Brown or Devontae Smith go down, they really don't have much on in terms of guys they can play mm-hmm. on the outside. Yeah. So you know, again, you're never gonna have the perfect roster. There's still opportunities to add guys here, and Howie Roseman does deserve some benefit of the doubt in that respect because. He does add mm-hmm. guys at different times. Not like he's just sitting on his hands. And this is a roster. We're going to stick with it. Uh, what would you give the Eagles draft on a whole, Jimmy? Collective basis. And I, hey, it's, okay. it's, a, it's an A draft. you're factoring the Swift trade in there? Because I think that I that yeah. counts to me. I don't think you can separate, separate sure. those things. Just like last year, you, how could you not include like the A.J. Brown trade? <laughs> that that right. has to be factored in. Yeah, I'm going to give it, uh, I'll give it an A as well. Straight A. Yeah, there we go. And like, and to quibble over these roster spots, by the way, like if you look at any other team in the league, you can find yeah. way bigger concerns than than what the Eagles have here. Like, in my opinion, this this roster is the most ready to play in the NFL at bigger positions too, or bigger positions of importance, like questions sure. on the offensive line, multiple starters, questions at quarterback, which is honestly what the only thing that kind of matters in a lot of ways at the yeah. end of the day. Uh, so I agree with you there. Uh, I will say, by the way, I, we have a poll up on bleedinggreennation.com. So go to that and vote in the poll to grade the Eagles draft class for yourself. In addition to all the separate um, picks that they made, I have grades though for those I'll be posting uh, that the people voted on out of 4,392 votes total, Jimmy. I asked people to grade the Eagles 2023 NFL draft class. How mm-hmm. many of a, how much of a percentage do you think gave it in uh, a 86? Pretty good. 89. Mm, okay. And then 10% B and then 0% everything else. Obviously, you know, technically those all add up to one because it was an 89 and 10, but pretty good. And obviously, and some of the F votes are Cowboys fans hopping in and trolling. Yeah, blogging the boys, guys kind of hopping yeah, over. Probably <laughs> hopping in there and voting for an F. Can't wait, to, can't wait for the NFC's mixtape this week, by the way. Talking with RJ about the Cowboys are drafting 25-year-old tight end, uh, number 25, <laughs> uh, after they totally got sniped out of Dalton Kincaid and settled for Mazda right. Smith, who... And then also uh, um, the receiver in the second round. Uh, somebody re- somebody said some, like there was a pen throwing uh, incident after they took. Somebody oh, took I uh, didn't that. second round. It was the big receiver Mingo. Uh, the big receiver that I Mingo? what's that Mingo? Yeah, somebody took Mingo, and that's a guy that they had targeted. Yeah, I'm re- you can look I'm really that glad. up. You can have that armed for for uh, for RJ. I'm glad the Cowboys didn't take Hyatt because that would have not been optimal to the Eagles to me 
Uh, although it's unfortunate he ended up on the Giants instead. Maybe there was something wrong with Hyatt for him to go as late as he did, because that didn't make any sense to me that he went. He went 80-something. I think he's just like a specialist, I think. Or at least he's being viewed that way. Like, he, like oh, he can only okay. do one trick. Well, yeah. It's a, but that's a pretty good a trick. It's a very valuable <laughs> trick. Uh, also, Mozzie yeah. Smith, I know his impact went beyond the stats to some extent, but you're talking about a guy that the Cowboys took with half a sack. Half a sack. He had half of a sack. Half of a sack. Career. Not, not season. Yeah. Career. And six TFLs. Like, okay. Like, that's your first-round pick? Like, really? Like, maybe he's a good player for you, but, like, what's the ceiling? What is the ceiling for the guy who had half of a sack in 30 games in college? Interesting. Um, You're going to get a uh, Jordan Davis rebuttal on that I one. mean, yeah, but he had more than half of a sack. <laughs> yeah, he's he's also 6'6". Six, six I'm not saying he's, like, you know, double-digit <laughs> guy, but, like, he come on. Like, he can at least do something. And the best athlete literally ever. Although Mozzie Smith is an athlete too, but Not whatever. Way. Anyway, yeah. um, what else is coming up is that the Eagles will have their rookie mini camp. So the young guys will be in and they'll have a bunch of um, tryout players as well. They'll finally officialize their undrafted rookie free agent class at some point. Um, then their schedule is coming out on the 12th. Coming, oh, are you sure it's the 12th? Because it's been rumored. I to think be that's the what. 11th. Adam Schefter tweeted. I think you're mis- you're mis- um, remembering the date. It's because th- that's oh, a Friday. Okay. They're not going to re- release the schedule on a Friday. It's the 11th. I think is what's going to end up being the date. Are you double checking me? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It is the. I yeah, they wouldn't tweet here. It is the they're 11th, not going to put it on a Friday. Not, like that would no. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. They're not going to news yeah. dump the schedule. Um, right. So that'll be. A, it's always kind of a funny day because it's like a big event to see where games <laughs> that we that we know the opponents. Where the games are ordered, basically, but it's fun. I always get the schedule like like hours ahead of time. Why you? And uh... well, so do I through you. <laughs> but I don't. Rep- I can't report it for reasons I won't get into. But um, it's funny, like watching everyone, uh, uh, you know, with the trackers or whatever. Like, oh, we know what we know what week five is. <laughs> and also, um, well, hey, I do that, and it's good content. But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. we yeah. do the pre-record every year, right? Like, we do the yeah. <laughs> Like we record. <laughs> it's funny that you do the tracker, even though you know full well what well, the full know, schedule is. Just have to. I have to respect your, you know, the integrity of your sources. <laughs> right. But um, right, uh, it is funny, or it's fun it's, to do the. It's actually somebody else's sources, and it gets trickled down sure. to me, and then. Uh, well, in any case, that'll be coming up, so that'll be fun. We will get to see, you know, uh, when they play the Chiefs Super Bowl rematch, among other things, um, and then the Eagles will have their OTAs. Late May, early June going on. Nothing too intensive, at least if it's kind of how it was last year. They're not going to have a mini camp, a mandatory mini camp, also like they did not have one last year. And then it's a break. And then the, from mid-June until late July, pretty much nothing going on, at least nothing in the way of good news. Uh, and then it all starts again in late July. So that's where we're at. Yeah, the, who who there was like, was it the let's go to the phones guys last year? They somehow got their hands on the schedule and they had like they so. had it right. And I offline I was like, yep, you got nice. it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's always a fun day. I, and I, I always like to try to last year. I booked my travel immediately yep. before like the stuff was leaving before it even got out publicly. Any final thoughts, James? On this um, marathon of a podcast, we're at the two hour mark. It's going to be even longer at the ads. Yeah, well, I mentioned the Philly Voice event that we had. Uh, it was in Camden. It was awesome. It was actually I was up on a panel 
with and like I just did not belong up on up on this panel. It was well, me Jaworski. <laughs> it was me, Jaworski, uh uh Jason Avant, Hassan Reddick, and Harold Carmichael were up on this stage and we were talking about the draft or whatever. And um Seamus was like yeah, you were like the Chris Bosch. And no, I'm, I wasn't the Chris Bosch. I was like the water boy. <laughs> but uh, that was a very fun event. And uh, just wanted to, to mention, like, I mean, Jaws is awesome, but also, like, uh, and, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, interacted with Jaws plenty, but I got an, I got a really opportunity to interact with uh, Jason Avant and Harold Carmichael and Hassan Reddick just in more of like a casual way. And all three of those guys are awesome. Like I was, uh, I was, I had a lot of fun, you know, sort of semi hanging out with them uh, at this event, which uh, ran like up until the start of the draft. And then as soon as like our part of it was over, like up on this stage, I couldn't have booked out of there faster <laughs> to get home, uh, at least in time for like pick four. I got, I think I got home uh, for the draft and like, it was sort of hectic trying to catch what up on everything that, that had happened already. Away in the car. I, it, yeah, it's of my nightmare. Well, actually, so while I was, I mentioned before, like while I was up on stage, still the tampering thing mm. broke, so I had to like rush home and write that immediately. So I, I didn't really even start paying attention to it because I wrote that and I didn't really start paying attention to the draft until like the sixth or seventh wow. pick. Uh, life of a blogger. It's not so easy. That's right. Thanks. No. It's intense sometimes. <laughs> uh, I want right. to thank all the listeners, you know, for rocking with us, for making it this far into the podcast. If you made it this far, hashtag BGN accomplishment for your accomplishment. Uh, That's of right. Making it this far into a two hour plus BGN radio podcast. Um, not only just for listening here, but reading bleedingyournation.com and Philly Voice as well for Jimmy's work. Uh, I want to give a special, I guess I'll use my final thought as a shout out to Rich Eisen. And, um, you know, he does, I think, great work with the St. Jude, you know, his his, uh, his his race that he, you know, runs to promote um, money and, and fundraising for St. Jude. I think that's a great cause. And, um, you know, just watching the video, which I've seen before. It's not like I'm new to seeing him do this each year. But I feel like for whatever reason, it especially like resonated and, and stuck with me this year. So, um, you know. Just uh, a good place to donate to, I feel like, if you're looking to pick a charity to uh, to ever do that, um, give them a shout out. And uh, that's it. I, I have to go, Jimmy, to, uh, I guess, another shout out here to Hoagie Dom, which I've talked about before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Just great hoagies. I mean, it's that simple. He, you know, he's a, he's a pop-up on Instagram. It's not like a store you go to, um, but he makes everything himself. everything himself. He's a big Birds fan. Uh, I think I mentioned before Howie Roseman. He has brought uh, hoagies to Howie Rose. Howie really likes his hoagies, so I'm very excited to go to Hoagie Dom. It's like my post draft reward. That's like my little treat I get to have now that the draft is over, and uh, you know we were, we were really grinding and not sleeping too much the past couple of days. So uh, this is my last that. thing, yes. by the way. This recording mm -hmm. of this podcast, and then I'm I'm gonna have some beers. Nice. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. We can. I still have some writing to do, a lot of blogging to do. I'm a little bit behind, but um, okay. you have the podcast going on. Uh, congratulations to you for being able to celebrate. What kind of beer? Do you have a specific kind of beer you're drinking? So I picked up uh, Harp and uh, uh, Summer Shandy. Hmm. Okay, nice. I um I recently tried the Rita's Water Ice. Fruit. I always call it Water Ice. I know canonically it's Italian ice, but that's just not the original name. 
uh, Rita's and Neshaminy Creek Brewing. Shout out to Croydon, Pennsylvania, Bucks County. Did a little collab where they have like a, a mango flavored Rita's beer. Um, it's not as sweet as I would like it because I like things more sweet, but it does have a nice flavor and you should check that out too. Another plug here, just all full of free plugs for these places. Um, so I would check that out if you're ever in the area. And then my beer of choice, Jimmy, uh, I like a sour monkey or a berry monkey. You ever okay. have one of those? I have not. It's from Victory, you know, Philly zone. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you see them, give them a try. I think they're really good. So that's what I would be celebrating with if I was, but I'm not. So uh, this has been BGN Radio 321, 321. Recapping the Eagles 2023 NFL draft. Very exciting draft, I think. Probably one of the more exciting drafts I've ever covered, if not the most. Uh, I think a lot of optimism in future and excitement to be had. Nice little table setting before it all starts again in late July. The team gets ready for next season, try to get back to the Super Bowl and actually win it this time. Won't have a loser defensive coordinator, hopefully, kind of holding them back. Uh, will be fun to root against Jonathan Gannon in 2023. All right. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky on those places, at Jimmy Kemsky, at BGN underscore radio. A uh, big shout out to our staff as well, you know, who did a great job here with the podcast, Rachelle, for producing this episode and all the ones here and hosting as well. Um, really appreciate everyone's hard work. Alexis crushing it on the site um, with all uh, basically, you know, helping me out with the press conferences and everything. So make sure to give all those guys credit and follows and stuff uh, as well. Uh, we will be back some point. I don't know when, but we need to wrap up this podcast. So I'm going to close it by saying, <laughs> right to selling.com, discount code BGN 15, 15% off. And if you're looking to buy, sell or rent a house, you want to contact Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com at this phone number. 856-906-9295. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.